Portal. Hello and welcome to the Salacast on Sunday the 31st of May 2020. I'm your host Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. Yes. And Robert Kemp. I think I'm a bit summer stinky. Stinking it up. Yeah, it's a specific sort of like not quite sweating enough for it to be like that full-on sweaty smell, but just a little bit of sweat, so it which just creates a different smell entirely. Your house is a bit of a sun trap, to be fair. It is, yeah. We've it's got all the sun face. All the walls are sun facing. Right. At some point, at various points during the day, so it's kind of boned, and it gets worse as yeah, obviously gets worse as the day goes on, and then insulation occurs, which just means it exudes heat at night. What lack of insulation or insulation? Oh, the existence of insulation, like because it, it it seems to absorb all the heat during the day, and then at night it just goes. Be hot at night. How is that insulation? How does that work? I don't. Honestly, I don't know. But I thought that's like part of how like cavity wall kind of ends up working. Like the cavity ends up getting hot instead somehow. Oh right. Okay. I thought it was like a. Yeah, like a a barrier to avoid the transfer of the the heat, i.e., the energy. Or, but, if, but I it's guess not it, like a vacuum, right? It's no, like it's just, no, it's just it's just air, so that can still get hot itself. But it's That's I suppose true. it slows it down, and yeah. then the cavity in your brickwork and stuff is still hot, and it, yeah, and it uh, comes out. The house, my house in Needham was similar actually. When I, you know, when I grew up there, there's like, yeah. my my room was the worst, of course. It's funny, isn't it? These um, modern houses—you'd think that would improve, but they're just thinner built. Like that, you know, the house that I grew up in—the the, the big one, the Victorian one, or whatever—that was so cool in the summer. Um, and it, not that it was warm in the winter because it was too big to like heat properly, I guess. Uh, not that it was massive, but it's just it didn't have much to like hold the. Like it had like wooden floors, right? And rather than carpets mm. and stuff like that, it just wasn't super cozy, I would say. Um, uh, but it was definitely cool in the summer. Um, and now I'm in a Victorian like terrace in London, um, and I'm in the basement, so it is also cool in a similar way. But I think that's because I'm in the ground, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I have the garden, you know, that I can open the 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 big doors up to to get a bit of get a bit of air in there. So quite lucky. I've got like a desk fan here. That is, I don't know if I mentioned on the cast before, but I got one of those weird looking Dyson. Cool me. I'm a bit embarrassed to buy anything by Dyson given their politics and shit. But um, anyway, it, I, I was like, well, I'm going to be working from home and it's going to be a heat wave. Then I mm. better, get some, get, better get one of those. And I haven't really needed it yet, to be fair. Oh, ours, ours has been getting some use. You've got yeah, the, the Eye of Sauron, got, right? The round dice. Yeah, we've got a pure cool. Um, which, to be fair, I can't really recommend for the money you pay for it. I mean, I like it, but it is, it's a bit more noisy than I would, was hoping for. Yeah, uh, they're, they're in, interesting. A, it's one of those ones with an air filtration system as well and like a pollen detector and all that kind of jazz. And it's like, that's broken, oh. that part of it. Um, yeah, I've got that uh, fil- filtration stuff. But I, because I haven't used it enough, I don't know if it really does much. Apart from the air blowing directly at you is fine, but I, I don't know if it actually work. like filters the room. Um, 
I think bits of it work. I've used it like when I when I have been a bit like sniffly and a bit because you know I, I'm not as bad as with hay fever and allergies as you, but like I will get a little bit from time to time, and I have just like pointed it at my face and let it run, and I felt better. You know, <laughs> I don't get that anymore. Oh, really? Pretty much, yeah. Wow, uh, it was Suffolk, evidently, because in <laughs> in London I do not get hay fever. Is like it? literally well, at all. Because you're a mile away from most plants. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know, because I know, I know people in London who do have it, get it bad. And apparently it's to do with like the type of pollen of the grasses or whatever. So people do get hay fever in London, but I don't. Yeah. But I do get it in Suffolk. I, I think that's the thing, yeah. Because there's, well, there's different sizes of pollen as well, affect different, different mm. people as well. That's that's how this, well, at least that's the measurement that the Dyson thing would take. It would give you like a small pollen count and a big pollen count. Yeah. It used to be an absolute nightmare hay fever for me, constant. And I'd have to have, mm. you know, um, not just antihistamine tablets, but I'd have the spray and everything. Some of them worked. But and we sometimes ended up having a stash here just in case. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing that st- I know still exists is cat allergy, right? So I can tell oh, that. Right, right. All yeah, I have to yeah. do is be around a cat hair for a, a short period, and I, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is still a thing. Sorry about that. That no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, you're I mean, sorry, but no one, everyone, I'm, literally I'm everyone for, loves their cat more than my. I'm, I'm my sorry, suffering. For, <laughs> does that work? Yeah, yeah. No, no one's really sorry. Uh, they're like, yeah, but cats are awesome, so fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I sort of like, sort of understand. Sort of. Not really, but never mind. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't admit that I don't. I don't get it. But you can't understand. That's the thing. It's not possible. What if you don't have cats? Uh, well, or, or if you can't, if you actually can't be around them, if you can't like, be around it's, them, it's yeah. not possible for you to have that potential connection. So you won't yeah. have experienced crazy this cat love. Yep, <laughs> they don't. You won't love have anyone. experienced a cat. That's why I was screwed. Her head they don't love it. anyone. They just want you to feed them. <laughs> That's why I was screwed. Because you know, I wasn't allergic initially, and then I got allergic. <laughs> Not uh, very allergic, but enough well, that it's annoying. So it's like I can't have a cat, even though I really would if I could. Maybe. Well, no, I don't. Can you not? I think that's true. <laughs> you always used to have a cat, though, didn't you? Yes, that's what I said. I got, I got allergic. Ah, oh. apparently it does I mean, get worse with exposure, right? It's not. You'd think it'd be the other yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't say. You know, I'm not a hundred percent perfect, even with Minnie. But that's like she has to rub herself in my face. Yeah, or like yeah, I you're fine. To, yeah. I have to do the bad thing of like like giving her a nice a, a big ruffle or something, and then shoving my hand in my eye, you know. Mm. And then it's like, oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> but Minnie's cool. She's not that. You agree. I think, <laughs> Some cats are more. I think I've reached the point Minnie. where like I just. I it's like I kind of would like to have a pet at some point, but I just can't withstand pet smell. <laughs> Any pet smell. What would you? What sort of pet would you? Would you get a small pet for your? No, you couldn't keep one in your room, would you? Or or no, maybe. <laughs> but that's the trouble. If you keep a pet in a small room, you're going to be exposed even more to the pet smell, whatever pet it is. And that's probably the bit I can't manage. Yeah, I don't remember if chinchilla smelled. I remember the smell of like sand, the baby <laughs> sand. Lizards, lizards smell a lot. <laughs> Do they? Yeah. I don't need like if you tank them up properly, aren't they? Like pretty well contained, and so the smell's not. <laughs> That's not it. how a tank works. Well, it's not it's... an airtight seal that you just wedge <laughs> the animal inside of. <laughs> <laughs> it could be though. <laughs> 
I mean, obviously fish, but even fish smell if you don't clean them very regularly. Sure. Yeah. You'd have to stay on top of it. Didn't you have I fish too? I can't recommend. Before? Zach? Yeah. yeah I had yeah, a fish. fish. I, wouldn't, hmm. I wouldn't say... Well, I can't really remember budgies smelling that much, but they do make a hell of a mess. <laughs> Man, you guys had all kinds you, you of pets. look at the huge mounds of poop, though, that they do smell. You just don't recognize it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, didn't, I never really... Well, I suppose I didn't have a problem with it. It didn't, no. it didn't really stink to me. But Apparently like, birds, it, like, used to be much, much more common as pets. And, yeah. And I don't know what happened. Like, the dead parrot yeah. sketch and all that. That was perfectly... Not, oh, yeah. It was more almost more common than... Not more common than cats and dogs, but, like, more common than, you know, I don't know, hamsters. So, it's because everybody, everybody realized that... Th- most of the in the old days, most of the people keeping birds were doing it very wrong. <laughs> right? Is that why? Is that really why? Probably. Hmm. I don't know anyone who has any birds. No, I don't anymore. I don't think. Hmm. Budgies can be cool. Oh yeah, but, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, Bart. No, I couldn't remember his name. But used to love the engine noise from F Zero X. Maybe send, send, send him bonkers. <laughs> Actually, that might just be him shouting constantly. Turn that shit off. Yeah, <laughs> could well be. Hey, this is a weird thing for you. I don't normally have to get this, but like, so I'm a I'm a fan of beers, right? A beer connoisseur? I'm a beer connoisseur, let's put it that way. But weirdly, when I poured this um, fairly standard hop house lager into into this glass, I got a, I got a whiff of it, and it didn't like... Uh, this is going to be hard to explain. It's like It smelled like beer, obviously, but it smelled like, a, like the smell of beer that I don't think I've... It smelled like I was a kid smelling beer, right? Not, mm. that I've, not that I've been sort of like used to beer for God knows how many years. It was just a, yeah, it was just a, oh, that smells like dad's drink. And I'm like, what? where has that come from? <laughs> Why have wow. I suddenly had that odd flashback? Just smells evoking memories. Well, the yeah. other day I, I, went, I went into the kitchen and then suddenly had a smell that reminded me of like, a canal boat holiday from childhood. Oh wow! It was the smell of I like. I was thinking about it, and I was like, "Wait, that's the smell of a chemical toilet." I think it must have been like a combination <laughs> of like a waft of chlorine coming in, yeah. off, in off the hot tub, and then like the kitchen smell combined to make that smell of like chemical toilet. That it's so weird, isn't it? Like the the smell of chlorine and and, and poop or whatever, and you're like, "Wow, uh, good times. I, I remember Glastonbury. That was awesome." <laughs> That's a good one. I don't know about you guys. I'm getting a lot of nostalgia lately, and it I don't like it. Oh, uh, what? Well, just because you're stuck in, like, yeah, it's just, it's just reminiscing about wander. shit. Yeah, annoying. It, maybe you have to embrace it and meditate through it. I have no idea if that's true or not. I don't know. So, getting worried that I only like old things, and oh well, there's that. Yeah, okay. that's annoying. Just... Does that's what you have video games for? Go play some old ass games because they're always still good. Yeah, but that's you don't need to worry about oh, liking old video they're games. Not, that's the thing though; they're not always so good. Like there's there's like no. a there's like a phase of video games which I find really difficult to go back to. Well, now. obviously, it's like I can't go back to like N64 or anything because of the resolution. Yeah, that's a different yeah. problem. 
it's it's not like you could just about play Mario 64, I would say. But oh no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. an F Zero is fine. There are like you could probably do Banjo Kazooie just fine. Um, yeah, but with F Zero, you might as well play the GameCube one, right? I guess. Sure, X is its own thing. X is its and own they're, thing. They're, yeah. I mean, X is very different things. to the SNES one, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not very, you know what I mean. In, yeah, yeah, X is more like X, but yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, what's... Because I think maybe it's because there's there was that Tony Hawk reveal and, like, the Command & Conquer remake is coming out. And oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's Or not, not remake, but, you know, base, remaster, remaster. And, like, yeah. it's like, oh, man. Well, what do you think about that CNC thing? Uh, it? Like, it looks like they're doing a, a, a pretty good job from what I could tell, including like yeah. re- remastering all of the music and remixing like, it and everything. Not not just the it's not just the remaster of the music as well, is it? They've actually got some live like he's like the original guy has done like remasters of the originals yeah. as like on the original samples and all that stuff, so it sounds like the originals but modern. But they he's are... also got he's also got his band as well, and they're doing, right, some, like, doing some more, tracks. more live stuff for it, and it's like that's interesting. And like they are actually, I don't know if it's toggleable or something, but they're changing the gameplay right to so that the build system is less annoying, and you know you yeah, can, queue, you can queue up you can, builds and stuff. You can tailor it to how original you want, or with yeah. modern control. So like you can swap the left and right click so it mir- mirrors more modern, modern RTS stuff. games like you can queue up build yeah. orders if you want which you couldn't do before yeah I mean that's all quality of life stuff is pretty cool Yeah, I can't there's some scroll tell options if that ga- so you game can would... scroll like modern games you know things like that they've, would they've that game stuff. be good though it's really old I don't like, know That's the th- I think I'd be quite I think I'd find it quite dull I don't yeah. know I think Red Alert might be okay I mean you spend a lot of time like building up your base and yeah <laughs> Well, I think you do interesting if you to... play it that way, I guess. But that's it'd why that's how we always played RTS games. We what, were turtles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm forever a turtle. I can't I can't get out of that. Ha- I've never been able to get out of that habit. I mean, I'm not a very good player. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. Barlow used to just crush everything. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. which was, was just, good. and you'd look over at his base. Like it was hilarious. When we were playing generals, and he, yeah, but he that's would... generals, isn't it? That's. that's... Yeah. Generals, when you actually know anything about it, is incredibly easy to like exploit money and just get infinite yeah. money and then just build infinite super weapons. It's like that's not that's it's not well balanced game, generals. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's true. But it was hilarious just watching. Like his base was just fields and fields of the money generating um, uh, building, which yeah. in that case was like the black market or whatever. I know everyone had an equivalent. Like the Chinese, the China one was kind of annoying because it was hackers. like a hacking center. But then you had to you had to train little hackers and put them into the thing. And I think I think he just chose the terrorist GLA or whatever they're called, just because you just that has the simplest mana acceleration, <laughs> basically. Well, the UN drop zone is pretty simple for the Americans. Yeah, you could shoot those down though, can't you? The uh, the supply planes. I, I think. don't know if you could. I can't remember. I was never anyway. entirely certain about the flying over mechanics. Those those games were. Sort of okay. I don't know. I enjoyed. Well, they were sort of okay, but like they were okay for like spectacle, not so much for balance. Yeah. <laughs> like if you wanted to just fire constant super weapons, it was a good time. <laughs> mm. Well, here's the thing: is it'll be interesting to see how that that side in particular holds up, right? Because that that's one of the things they're doing with this remaster is going quite all in on making it onlineable. 
Right. I mean, you kind of have so, to to make it a successful modern yeah, yeah. launch, I suppose. And to make but it's it... like, yeah, how are they doing any tweaks to like balance it out for online, or are they li- literally leaving it as leaving the original as... and like, here you go? Yeah. Can I edit the ini file to make a mammoth tank shoot dogs? You could probably do it through an in-game menu at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can I make a flame boat? <laughs> The thing is, it didn't actually shoot dogs. It shot like dog no, no. bites, which was not as fun. No, you couldn't visibly see the dogs just come out of them and murder the infantry, which is a shame. But it was quite funny having the, you know, it would just go, <laughs> and everyone around it would die. Have you, yeah, I, we'll move on to this a bit in, in our new section, I guess. But like dogs in video games, like they, they're as enemies, they're often like pretty OP and like more powerful than the person with a gun. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I don't know. They move well, faster. Even in, even in COD, they're almost one hit kills. I think as yeah. a, when they've been in games with a kill streak, because they, they would charge around the map and just be like, arf, arf, arf. And if they get you, you're gone. Uh, yeah. But they would, they, if you shot them, they would die pretty quick. But I mean, in, in, in real life, dogs are not that threatening. <laughs> no matter what, how you train them, I guess they could be t- they're terrifying yeah, they're if you're threatening. a normal person. But if you're <laughs> a, like a soldier with a gun, then I, I think you're probably okay. Uh, especially if you've got any kind of uh, protection. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be scared of a dog. I think it's the psychological kind of factor, isn't it? Be scared of a tiger. Oh, tigers are terrifying but they stalk you right that they, they kill you because they come from the side and you don't notice not an interesting version of call of duty if you just summon a wave of tigers instead wave of tigers wave of babies <laughs> i've forgotten about wave of babies i wonder if i've got like, the thing about that cnc thing is i, don't, I wonder if i've just got a bit better at games because I, I haven't really played either of red alert or cnc Kind of since it came out, no. So I'm not really, yeah. And and I found the original CNC in particular like really quite hard at the um, time. It and felt I was, quite hard. Oh, and I was a bit better at Red Alert. And uh, Red Alert had what? like timed missions, though, didn't it? Like indoor, like weird corridor bits. Yeah, it had a lot of like, oh, you've got six units, make it work, kind of stuff. Yeah, like work your way through it. Like that original Commando. Um, Mission in CNC. Mission six. Yeah, that bastard. Um, that was usually where I started to struggle. <laughs> I, know, I know you guys got through it, but like, yeah. I, yeah. But I I, that's only because we that point. played it constantly, didn't we? I don't think I got past the commander mission that frequently, though. I think I'd ever, when I'd replay it, I'd get there and be like, I really can't be bothered to put the effort in at this point. Mm. I'm sure I got through it at least missions. once. In Red Alert, but they yeah. feel like that was as bad as that commando yeah. mission. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the time in the Red Alert ones, they they start off as like commando esque, but then you get more units quicker. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apart from the spy mission in Red Alert, that was a fucking pain in the ass. Oh yeah, the spy mission and the dogs. There you go. Yeah, that was nice. Oh yeah, because the dogs could sniff you out, right? But the normal infantry couldn't. You were screwed if the dogs. Yeah, because what did the spy even have a? I guess he, he didn't really pistol. have a weapon. I guess. No. <laughs> he had a like, stupid all you had to do was just like it was basically the castle selfie. from Zelda, obviously. 
Right. Yeah. You were avoiding the patrols of dudes and you had to ha like hack all the power plants to turn off the Tesla coils and all this crap. And the castle from Zelda was a reference to Metal Gear Solid anyway, wasn't oh, it? Yeah. No, sorry, Metal Gear. Metal Gear, I guess. Or was it Metal Gear Solid? I don't know. Probably predated Either. Solid. <laughs> yeah, it was the same year though, 98, right? I think. Yeah, it was hard to reference yeah. something in the same year. Yeah, in the same year, yeah. <laughs> but all those, all the, every, like, all those RTSs always had a mission like that at some point. Like, Total Annihilation had missions like that, where it was just like, here's the mission where you have a really limited pool of units and you have to do a very precise set of maneuvers to navigate a place where you can suddenly expand. <laughs> I think I got stuck on a couple of missions in Total Annihilation. Except, I guess one of the missions that I did get stuck on in Total Annihilation was one was one where it it's a drops you on a tiny island in a sea sea map, and if you don't fucking get ships very quickly, then the enemy ships just kill you. <laughs> that one was more of a race against time than a stealth mission or anything. Yeah, TA, TA, TA was another one I wasn't really very good at. I it was it was like the perfect game for turtle play in a way because you just like mm. turtle up, get the big ass cannons. There you go. You can shoot the AI. No trouble. But like, if you were trying to do it, I don't know. I guess semi properly. <laughs> then, then I found it really tricky. TA was a weird game. It's like kind of weirdly soulless somehow. Although <laughs> that's the whole point, though, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so the bunch of robots fighting other robots. Yeah. I mean, it was cool as hell. It was cool, though. yeah. Setting up like aircraft patrol routes and yeah, there were so many sit... different. Yeah, so you're like repaired aircraft to just go around and repair everything. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and then you realise that that went horribly wrong when they get to the planetary annihilation, and it's just like, hey, the main tactic to defend the planet is just set an aircraft factory to patrol the entire planet, and then just make a billion aircraft. So no matter when the enemy comes into your atmosphere, they immediately get murdered by a million aircraft. Mm. <laughs> it's just like that's a real bad. It's just like it's the worst kind of defense where you just like spam a million units and just don't even pay attention because they they just automatically sit there and deal with it i can't remember how it was balanced in the original ta but i mean i remember there was a, a version of everything and every every other thing right every slot seemed to be filled so like Pretty you much, had the yeah. you had the aircraft builders but you also had the robot builders and the and the vehicle builders right yeah. but it, I, I was always like well but aircraft are they can fly around really fast and they don't but they aren't they as, they aren't as powerful nano lathe right what was the most powerful nano lathe was it the, was the mech the one commander oh, well out oh, the commander, commander obviously yeah, yeah. yeah i do remember having a lot of aircraft and of course they're difficult in an rts because they just fly around around in circles <laughs> i mean they could land couldn't they they were all vtol right in um, yeah yeah in, yeah in um TA, but but then they could uh oh it's just the way they even they they fought as well they were so cool because they would like mm. they wouldn't just sit there stationary and shoot at stuff they would jink around you know the, yeah it was uh that was cool yeah the aircraft in particular looked real nice and no I just think of Starcraft in comparison at the time where things just fly right. to place and sit there and shoot and just sit there yeah. RTS. But on the other hand, that is more effective than Total Annihilation. Because as soon as you get like your fighter aircraft engaging other aircraft, it, the map just blossoms into a random assortment of icons because they're all like flying around all over the place trying to get yeah. angles on each other. And it takes forever to, for anything to actually die. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's cooler in concept than in practice. I suppose that's where the idea of like unit caps and stuff started to crop up not long after. Well, before, really, I guess, because that was a whole point of StarCraft, really, wasn't it? With its oh, was it a Warcraft? Oh, I suppose, yeah. Warcraft building houses layers. or whatever. The yeah. equivalent of houses. I suppose you're right. Yeah, the farm system, isn't it, in Warcraft? Yeah, I forget about but, that. But obviously then, it was probably a limit of like actual computing power, not actually a gameplay thing, necessarily. Maybe, yeah. And then TA and Red Alert and CNC were just like, yeah, whatever, build what you want. Go nuts. Well, RTS games. Yeah. I've never been very good at them in fairness. No. So RTS just isn't my uh, isn't my forte. And we never like we never like moved into uh uh the Dota style. What what's it called? MOBAs. MOBA. Like like yeah. like proper MOBAs, proper I suppose, MOBA, as opposed yeah. to the modern MOBA like uh, I don't know no, what happened no, when Mo when MOBA started. Why I'm surprised that you didn't get into them at all, Zach. Actually, you know, I toyed with playing Dota two at one point. Yeah, but Dota two is kind of quite late, I suppose. If you think about um, into the kind of phenomenon, because league league was already going and everything, wasn't it? Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, but, it yeah. was the same. It was the same reason we never got into actual RTS gameplay because it's all about just like so precise clicking and constantly yeah. clicking mm. and constantly ma managing those tiny little movements. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was what was the StarCraft thing, the actions per second rating or something. That was how the pros are measured by, like how how basically how fast they click and input shortcuts and yeah, all that stuff was 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 like a stat. And it's yeah. like, you know, the higher your APS, the the better StarCraft player you are. And like the best, the best that we could do is like World in Conflict, where you had two whole different extra buttons to push for the skills. Mm. <laughs> you know what? World, World in Conflict, though, I felt like was actually more properly strategic, if you see what well, I mean, yeah. rather than just like like you could put a unit in a place and that was your strategy, rather than having to be precise about zoning and. <laughs> You know, I have to keep my distance like approximately one pixel away from this other guy, so I can shoot them and they can't shoot me. And it's like, it's, and World in Conflict like it was was great because it kind of did away with all that. You couldn't move your units that precisely because they took time to turn around and move realistically. And oh man, we've said this billions of times on this podcast, but holy cow, that a game like that needs to come back. Mm. It's so it was so good. I mean, it's it it says something when a, like a, an RTS's multiplayer can draw me in because mm. that was a fun multiplayer, four and four multiplayer that works. What is what's that team doing? What what did they? Oh well, oh, probably they've... Dawn of War or something. Or no, or they're in, or they're a Ubisoft story. The at Division the studio. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's the it. Division. Okay. Oh, is, okay. it, it's, is it massive? Massive yeah. entertainment. That's kind of, kind of sad. I don't know. Yeah. I know yeah, some people like the division. Yeah, because you're thinking of the other guys, aren't they? Um, is it uh, who, who, Relic. Um, the do Relic? Yes, that's it. Because yeah. they are also now a subsidiary of something else, really. 
they don't they don't really do a whole lot of their own stuff anymore. I guess what creative assembly is still. Uh, yeah, going they still RTS. do their own thing. The Total War series is still unique and still yeah. going. <laughs> Halo Wars Two was not so great, but <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, should we do the news? Is it news o'clock? I think it's time for the news. It's. Do the news. What's going on in the world of video games? Not much, but <laughs> it will. E3 season Maybe. is coming without without E3. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so effectively what's happening is e, uh, E3 has been key-lead in that he... Yeah, uh, he kind of said early on that anyway that he wasn't going to be doing E3 anyway, even before E3 was cancelled. So instead, he's all sort of he was trying to organise something called Summer Game Fest. But the cancellation of E3 and all this lockdown malarkey has meant, well, he can basically claim all that for himself. Ah, um, so he's effectively just putting together a schedule of all the um, about uh, of a chunk at least of the press conferences. Right. Or what would have been press conferences and some other events here and there. We've already had the Unreal 5 demo from him, or uh, when he interviewed Epic about that, which we've covered before. Um, but we, we've also got a, a bit of a schedule of what to expect uh, out of everything. Some of this is associated with Summer Game Fair, some of it isn't, but it's all kind of rolling into this season at least. Um, yeah, so uh, the one thing that has happened, I suppose, as part of this was the Wholesome Direct, which is a, uh, a Wholesome Games, I guess, is, is kind of a, um, what do you call it, like a, a, a collaborative group of indie, deliver, indie developers who are coming together to effectively be like, hey, we're, we're making games to feel, to make you feel and not be all violent and stuff, okay? I know that's kind of a reductive sentence, but, you know, that's what you kind of get from the word wholesome, right? It's like, these are supposed to be Animal Crossing. Right. Yeah, I would definitely say Animal Crossing is... I mean, wholesome is has kind of negative connotations for me, I think. it's that Wholesome kind of means boring. <laughs> Rather, fam, and also, so does family-friendly. But I don't know. Yeah. But there's definitely a good way of... I know exactly that Animal Crossing is... I guess wholesome. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm unfortunately great. with you. Like the the majority of games that would label themselves as wholesome, I look at and I think I'm not sure I would have any fun or attachment to this. I can see exactly what you're doing, and I kind of appreciate developers that go out there and try and grab that. This hey, let's try and not let's do non-violent. Let's do. Wholesome makes it sound like it's like moralizing or something. Like a, a little, you know what I mean? yeah. Whereas like, Animal like, Crossing like or something is not an, doing that. Exactly, well, like something that's trying to walk an ethical high ground that I might not agree with. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like an after-school special type thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess Sonic says. No. <laughs> yeah. First, you say no. I mean, that's uh, an important message. I think Sonic should repeat that one. And unfortunately. Like, in fact, they should to... redo that with sorry, but they should redo that with the Sonic movie. Uh, Sonic. Like, oh, they really should. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> what if they've already done it in Boom? <laughs> we wouldn't know. I bet me still wants to go watch Boom properly. That's no good. 
Then you get out of there. Good but, advice. So the unfortunate thing about this direct was that quite, I think quite a large portion of the games there kind of fall into that this is Animal Crossing slash Harvest Moon category. Mm. What? Get, trying to get that Stardew money? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few farmy looking games or... I hope that Stardew guy made a lot of money out of it because that must have been a lot of work. Oh, sure. In some ways, what game of that scale isn't? But he kept going as well. It wasn't just what came out. He did that multiplayer thing. Crazy. Um, There were were some things that mildly caught my eye, shall we say, in this thing that, you know, I think might elevate themselves out of the... uh, the cliche, I suppose, that we're walking here. The, um, yeah, I mean, it opened with something called Button City, that kind of has kind of a, had had a sort of immediate appeal with me, and that it's like, oh, it's a game about saving the local arcade, <laughs> and you get to play the arcade games, and it's kind of presented in a in a sort of abstract way, and it's about uh, it's about a crew of kids just sort of getting into trouble and stuff like that whilst trying to. Save the local it, it seemed all right, actually. It looked like it might be have a little bit of humor to it. Hmm. Okay. We'll, we'll see how that how that comes out. Uh I'll have a little pick here, Calico, just because hey, it's another sim game, but it's about managing a cat cafe. But you can get a cat mount, and the cats look extremely wobbly. When you hold them up and wobble them around, it's so cute. <laughs> a wobbly cat mount? That well, doesn't well, sound you can, stable. You can, have a, you can have a cat mount. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not mounting the cats. I mean, you're, any, I mean, there's one sense. cat that, that's in that thing that was like huge, and so you're riding it, literally. <laughs> cat mounts. Uh... The lockdown simulator, effectively, which <laughs> is called called rainy season. Um, we don't need a simulator for that. No, we don't. But it was about about a kid being at home during the rain, rainy season, not really being able to go out and do stuff, and so, so uh, and then experiencing surreal events inside his own home. Uh, the trailer had him walking in in, a, in what will look like a room filled with just boxes and storage stuff, and there was a, there was a ghost thing watching TV, and the ghost's like, "All right, you need anything." Uh, what are you doing here? It's kind of like I'm just watching telly <laughs> very casually. And he's like, All right, bye. I don't know, it was, it, was a, it was a weird tone, kind of fun. Um, I noticed that Skatebird now seems to have had its uh release date pushed back another year to to not. Oh, I remember year. that, yeah. Okay, so so that showed up briefly, uh, uh, but it may have some competition from a game called Ollie Oop, which is basically Skate Dog. So there you go, Skate Bird versus Skate Dog. It's on. That was kind of it. Honestly, the rest of the rest of the games, as I say, were either. 
the stuff we, I mean, Spirit Fair turned up, which we'd seen at some other event. I can't remember which. Um, uh, which is is the game where you're sort of managing a boat, effectively, like a really big boat, and building a town on a boat, and the idea is you're guiding dead spirits to the afterlife. You're like a dead spirit town boat. There we go. So that turned up, and it looked the same. Still not out. And that was it. And I think this uh, response from both of you is kind of the right response. Can you hear the sound of my computer <laughs> whirring? <laughs> it's my version of crickets. Probably not. The wholesome direct. But coming up in the uh, Summer Game Fair schedule, in a few days' time, June the 4th, get hype for PS5, the future of gaming. That's what they've called it. It's not the PlayStation meeting or a state of play. It's PS5, colon, the future of gaming. And they're, they're showing a Sony, uh, like advertising it with a uh, picture of the, basically the new light bar coming through the controller. We've already seen the controller, so it's like a weird to have like a shadow version of the controller with just the lit up bits. It's like, mm. we know what this looks like. Don't have to, yeah, don't you don't to need to tease the reveal of the controller when you've already revealed it. Yeah, no, we want it's, it's the main if, console. We what if it's yet. not? <laughs> well, yeah, what if that's actually the PlayStation Five, and the PlayStation Five is just a big version of the controller? <laughs> it's just a giant controller. Ooh, <laughs> interesting. What if it's Stadia? Yeah, there is no PS Five. <laughs> yeah, that no. <laughs> they already showed that they already, thing. Yeah, and you know the V. It's gonna happen. Well, they already talked about the, the hardware quite extensively. Oh, the hardware could be it. in the cloud. Uh, mm. It's going to be a box. It's going to be a box. It's got to be a box. They wouldn't be calling it PS5, surely. Consoles get less less interesting looking over time. I mean, is it going to be trap? I mean, what should... Even what Nintendo sort of slant are they going to have to it this time? Because we, we, we're not going to have the George Foreman smooth <laughs> curl, of the PS3. The, the original PS3. Yeah, the PS4 has done slots and trapezoids. It's the V. <laughs> we already know. <laughs> it's it's going to be the V. It's not going to be the V. <laughs> I what does it believe? It, I don't... Well, I no, I no longer understand, like... I mean, it sort it doesn't really matter, but it sort of matters because I think it, the Xbox One original Xbox One was pretty ugly. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, wasn't into that box. I mean, it's I, not like a, it's not a looker, but it's like it's it's it doesn't look out of place in an entertainment no, center. No, it looks fine, and therefore everything can just look fine. I don't really mind. Like the controller is very important, though. Oh, sure. And and, and the be... thing about the the uh, the PS. Four is nothing. It looks fine. Whatever. It's just like the buttons are annoying and not physical, and it's quite hard to actually use. <laughs> At least that's what I found with my my PS5 Pro. Is I'm not very good with the capacitive buttons wherever the hell they're supposed to be. 
Are they capacitive? I thought they were actually physical. They're just sort of on one. Oh, they are physical, aren't they? But they're sort of super narrow or something. Or yeah, I don't they're, know. they're like they're like hidden into one of the yeah. slots. Or I'm something. not into them. I want a giant button to eject and to start. Oh, well, then I've got the console for you. It's called the X Bone. Well, there you go. <laughs> With the big X to push. Yeah. Well, there you Lightly go. Leave fingerprints all over. It's boring looking and functional. Perfect. It's kind of. I suppose you could say the Series X is kind of that as well, isn't it? Because it's literally just a box with yeah, the X sure. on it. I'm into that design. Yeah. The Series X, yeah. Smaller and uh, more powerful and just a box. Just a box. Embrace plastic. And like the Switch, like it doesn't, you know, it's a handheld console. So, um, you know, there's no, you know, it's all f- designed for form for function right it's basically a controller mm. so you can't really argue about the shape of the box because it's basically a controller but then nintendo's consoles haven't really been showy apart from the 3ds have they like it's you know since the gamecube they've not really exactly. gone down that yeah. path. not since the gamecube so that's on trend so everything is just everything's boring now and that's fine <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that you hold or like move around or anything like all the apple products and stuff it's sort of tactile because you like physically move them, you know, hold them and move them around and stuff. And the, the only thing that's in there, you know, is the controller. And that's the thing to focus on, I think, in my mind. Mm. Anyway. It's, it's, it's just not got to look be ugly is the yeah. trick, right? It can be anything just as long as it's not ugly. ugly. Flying if... V. <laughs> the Flying V. <laughs> Go faster stripes, very important. PS4 Pro kind of has that, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> PS4 in general has that. It's one go faster stripe horizontal. Is it, or is, that, is it a go slower stripe when it's horizontal? I don't know, maybe. And not, they're not across the entire length of the thing. If they would go faster stripes, it's like I'd want them to be like a vertical strip right down the center of it. Yeah, Viper stripes. Yeah. They just put Viper stripes on everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's 90s cool. Mm, So get hyped for that. Don't know what exactly what we'll see from there. Presumably games. Uh, Two days later, we get the PC gaming show, which hasn't exactly been a... uh, What should we we describe this? hasn't exactly been the the most newsworthy of... uh, press conferences in E3. Um, but it is sometimes nice to have a focus on the more, uh, I don't know, strategic and games that you would play with a mouse and keyboard, I suppose, tend to turn up there. Um, and Warframe. Warframe turns up there mm. every year. Um, and maybe some uh, sort of slight, you know, the India stuff. Is that where Satisfactory turned up first? Um, yeah, I think... I get confused about that one and like stuff that keeps getting shown at the Game Awards, like Kerbal Space Program and whatnot. Right. Yeah. So we might be there. Might be a factory game for Zach there. <laughs> well, they've got to release this one first. <laughs> in in fact, I'll place a bet. There's probably a new fa- there's 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 a new factory game for Zach shown at this thing. I don't know. I feel like we they might have expended all their factory games. You reckon? Because none of them have actually come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> that means we'll see them. 
<laughs> I suppose I suppose it needs to be an announcement. It needs to be an announcement of a new factory game. I mean, they could say Star Factory again if they want to be like on the run up to actual release. And be like, look I, at all the cool shit we did over this last year. I bet that might. Yeah, that seems like a safe bet as well. Actually, that will probably happen. Uh, but who knows when their bit. actual release date will be? <laughs> Soon. Probably not. A few days after that. We get CD Projekt Red, presumably doing even more cyberpunk stuff. Trying to get to build that hype even further. They're calling it the Night City Wire. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Is why. And then we've got. Yeah, okay. I guess we'll find out. And then we've got something that I think everyone can safely skip, which is EA Play. Which is happening on June the 12th. <laughs> Unless you want to laugh at them, thing, yeah. I mean, That's the only reason to watch an EA press conference. Are they gonna? Are they gonna have a FIFA game where you, where no no games are played or there's no crowds in the stadium? They will go full on like FIFA Street. This is like no actually <laughs> So now it's all street. <laughs> Two meter apart football. I'm... There's potential at this one because EA. Well, we don't know what they're working on, honestly, right now. <laughs> apart from we, the sports we, games, you mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, apart from the sports game, outside of sports and Anthem 2. Or Anthem, 2. Or, try and fix Anthem. Anthem. Yeah, let's, let's do Anthem again. Aside from that, we actually have absolutely no idea, I don't think, what, like what, what EA are actually are working on right now. Like anything, like what well, are Respawn was... doing right now? Like, well, Respawn aren't working on Titanfall 3, as they said. Yeah, so, well, I, mean, I, did hear, I did hear they, that the Jedi Fallen Order is meant to be the start of the franchise. So, yeah, probably working probably on a sequel to that. Almost certainly. For, no, I say franchise, you know what there I mean. It was meant series. to be a, like another Dragon Age, right? That got kind of yeah. half delayed and half cancelled with Andromeda and Anthem fighting yeah. around. There, there is, in theory, another. Who's, who's making Baldur's Gate? Is that. Not Bioware? No. no. I'm sorry. It's not Bioware. Um, they made the original Baldur's Gate, didn't they? Or Baldur's Gate, yeah. Didn't they? Am I confused? I'm pretty sure they went Baldur's Gate, Kotor, Mass Effect. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, they never I don't went to Nights. I don't think it's bio, anything to do with Bioware, right. the, okay. the, the new Baldur's Gate. Um, But I think it might have some of the original team, but it's just not right. Then they've left, so yeah. left Bioware. Yeah, well, I wouldn't blame yeah, them. Yeah, the, the I mean, the founders left Bioware. So I tell you what, EA, what like if you were talking, I mean, it's not possible for them to have pivoted this fast. Well, well, no, I guess it is EA, but but well, if EA wanted to be making a lot of money at the current time, Sims Five. <laughs> Well, yeah, right. <laughs> Not that they've ever stopped releasing DLC no. for Sims Four, so I guess they are still making that money anyway. <laughs> Sims Four, yeah, Sims Four is. Just, uh, although you don't hear much about it, it's still super lucrative. Oh yeah, like like crazy lucrative, really. Like those. those There's still like a certain class of, you know, people that only play The Sims, right? Yep, absolutely. It makes bills. Sims 5. 
Yeah, yeah, it might, it might be time. It's been a, it has been a really long time since Sims Four. I don't think has it though, because it's, it's been... like you remember like they showed it at E3 where it's like laugh, laugh at death and all that stuff. Sure, well, I saw that it wasn't EGX that many one year, you years know. ago, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah, some no, years but... ago. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was yeah, maybe four or five years ago because I remember seeing it, at e- them doing the character creator and stuff like that at EGX one year. Yeah. Um, before it came out. Probably only seems long. It probably only seems longer because I think it was like it was a much shorter gap between three and four, right? Because three just didn't really stick for some reason. No. Sims 3 wasn't nearly as popular for some reason. Yeah. Or maybe it was, and we just didn't don't didn't hear about it again. And they were just like, ah, whatever. Technology's moved on. We can fix our mistakes easier. Whereas... We can sell DLC easier. Mm. <laughs> We've suddenly got access to an online platform for selling digital products. <laughs> oh yeah, Origin might have <laughs> happened. We don't have to do bullshit about like you can only install Spore three times. Hmm. Classic. <laughs> We're probably going to hear from um. There must be, there must be a Need for Speed announcement, right? I, I, mean, I one, guess there's, there's still one of those every year. Pretty Whatever much. the fuck Criterion is doing. Yeah. <laughs> but then the last one wasn't Criterion, was it? It was Ghost Games. No, because Criterion were meant to be working on that other mystery vehicle driving game that never actually happened. No, that that's that's pretty much been confirmed that that's been canned, whatever that was. Yeah. Whatever it'll be, it'll be running on the uh, Frostbite engine. They could guarantee. just announce a new burnout, couldn't they? I mean, that could happen. It could, it could happen. It's not It'd impossible. It'd be really interesting if it did. Please don't make Paradise 2. <laughs> well, I mean, they can make Paradise 2, just make it better than Paradise. <laughs> then we might like it. Um, what the hell happened with that game? Like, and a half. Like, I, people really seem to like that game, and I've tried it multiple times, and I just can't get into it. Like, yeah, like, it's, like just, it's not for me. I don't know why. It's, it's got. I think there are certain elements of it that are, that are nice. Like, I think certain people got behind the whole. It's nice to be able to like the city is well designed enough in that there are there are viable routes here and there and there mm-hmm. there's usually something to find there. There's usually a billboard to smash yeah. on pretty much every route. So there's a there's a reason to explore. But the burnouty bits of it didn't really click with me. I didn't like the fact that I'm the same. every race pretty much ends up being the same because you take the same routes. You yeah. the, the end of every race is always the same because it has to end in a certain number of places. Yeah. And it's just it's some... Which helps with familiarity, for sure. But... They, like that concept of like point-to-point point races or whatever, that was fine in Midtown Madness, but... <laughs> Doesn't didn't quite work in burnout. <laughs> but was it finding the damn madness? Because like you always ended up taking the same routes in that as well, really. Mm, yeah. Right, yeah. Point to point just generally has that problem. Like it's that it's there's there's a good route and once you've found that route you take it pretty much all the time. And the Burnout Paradise had the slight problem where it's like actually most of the shortcuts or what you thought were a shortcut would actually just 
go way past where you wanted to go. So it'd be like, oh, I'm going to take this other route because it looks like it's going to be a direct line to where I need to go. Oh no, I've sailed way. This just this is just gone for like half the map. <laughs> I can't. I'm like, there's no way out of it. There's only like an entrance at either. Right now, I know that. I know not to ever take that again. Yeah. Like there were ways you could get on the train tracks, and it's like they were pretty much completely pointless during actual races, but you could get there. And it's like, but the worst thing was discovering it during a race, <laughs> and you're like, oh, for the love of. And I think, and when it first came out, they didn't give you the ability to restart races. So if you cocked up a race, you you could exit out of it, but you'd be left exactly where you were. Mm. You'd have to drive back to the start of the race if you wanted to do that one again. <laughs> it all pick a different one. And yeah, I don't know. I was just wondering who made Midtown Madness. Microsoft. Um, yeah, but it was Angel <laughs> Studios, and I'm just looking up what who were Angel Studios, and they became Rockstar San Diego and made Red Dead Redemption. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a story. That's quite a story. So is, that, so is that the story, like from Midtown One all the way through the Weird Three One? Yeah. Let's see, Angel Studios. Yeah, yeah, they made Midtown Madness Three. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, did they? <laughs> Sorry, struggling with the with the Wikipedia here. Anyway, yeah. We no, they we made really Midtown Manus two. I don't, I don't know if they did th Midtown Manus three. That must mean somebody else. That was a weird one, wasn't it? Three uh, was the more cut. There was the definite, you know, when they tried to consoleize it for Xbox. Oh, Midtown Manus three was made by. Dice. <laughs> Lol. Wow. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Back when Dice made something else other than Battlefield. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Day of the Devs then happens uh, 10 days after EA Play on June 22nd, which is this happens every year anyway kind of thing but they make it feels like they're making a slightly bigger deal of it this time and it's uh, effectively double fine and friends and you know other studios getting together to do do some announcements um cool sega have said they're also doing a thing around then called the new game plus event sega don't normally do events like this so mm, uh weird let's see what happens here I mean, Sega published quite a lot of stuff, but a lot of their stuff doesn't make it over here, as it turns out. They publish an awful lot of Japanese-only stuff still. Like anime games, basically. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they have for us. Uh, maybe this is part of the uh, Sonic announcements that they said they'd be way more of than there has been. Uh... And then Ubisoft do a thing again sometime later on July 12th called the Ubisoft Forward event. And this is absolutely expected to be their replacement of the E3 thing. So expect the dancing panda in some kind of Just Dance ad. Maybe some laser tag. Uh, and that's the, only, that's the last of the hard dates we've got. We know Xbox are going to 
carry on with their 2020 thing, which means we will see uh, another <laughs> quote-unquote gameplay reveal session in June. Um, but the one everyone's looking forward to is in July, because that's when the first party titles will be talked about. And Microsoft have been a bit been upfront with that and saying that we're not talking Halo or Forza or anything like that or any from any of our acquired studios until July. So we're gonna get another third party thing in June. Okay. Again, yeah. Okay. Uh still to be t- um defined, Devolver Digital have said they're definitely gonna do something because they have done for the last two or three years now. So they will have a little weird parody show. Uh, But both Square Enix and Warner Brothers are still to say anything about what their plans are. Um, Warner Brothers, that's not too surprising. They don't really do anything of their own. They normally piggyback on someone else's show. Um, But Square have had a tendency in recent years to do something themselves. I guess they've got out their big game, right? <laughs> yeah, they they you know they've they talked about a few other games last year. You know, there's a few there's a couple of platinum projects I think that platinum and Square are working on that we um that we haven't seen much of. One of them like Babylon or something like that. But yeah, some, something like that. There's some stuff from previous years basically that hasn't turned up anywhere. Mm. Um. So we'll probably expect to see some more of that. There's that near reincarnation project that's happening right now, which is a remaster of the of the original Nears. All right. Um, so not... I, I didn't even. Sorry, I didn't even realize that was a series. Uh, there's only been two. Uh, that's two stroke three games in the series. It's a weird one. So there, there was an original um, near and near automata or automata, however you want to say it, was the one that sort of did a lot better and got a lot more attention. But there was a, well, there was a sort of uh, was it PS2 era or maybe early PS3 era near game, right? Um, and it was a weird one because the Japanese actually got two different versions of the same game that follow that were sort of the same game, but they 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 did sort of like a Pokemon Red Blue thing where like they they followed you actually got a different character depending on which game you bought, and it followed a different different storyline, <laughs> and it was it was, a, it was a weird thing for the time. Um, hmm. So they're doing a re-release effectively of, of, of that thing um, called Reincarnation and uh, I haven't followed it closely enough to know if it's a super close remake um, of the original or if they're you know using what they learned um, in terms of t- storytelling and maybe gameplay from Automata. I have no idea what they're doing with it. But yeah, they're doing that. Maybe they'll talk about that some more. And we will listen. Or not, as the case may be. So basically everything's spread out. It's not like you'll get a hot E3 week just this year. smeared it out. What are we going to do for our reportage? I guess we'll have to have, just do it in the news. Yeah, it'll just be a regular-ass <laughs> podcast. 
do it. Can't have an E3 special. Yeah, weird. First time. Um, what else? Uh, <clears throat> oh, I did watch the. There was a state of play though for The Last of Us Part Two. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen this. Yeah, last week. Yeah. So it was um, uh, just an introduction to the game again, uh, just going over everything, and then uh, just to get people hyped for release. But then there was a lengthy kind of gameplay section without commentary at the end. Uh, but they were just sort of showing off some of the environments and stuff at, at first. And it's like, it does look really cool. Like the, um, I mean, we've seen glimpses of it before, but like evidently she goes from wherever it is, Colorado towards like Seattle, like the Pacific Northwest and Seattle itself is all ruined, is the ruined city or whatever for this game. But it does look like pretty, uh, you know, obviously bigger scale. Uh, environment wise like with literally riding around the city in a, in a horse with sorry in a horse with a, <laughs> on a horse um <laughs> rather than um you know cuz i kind of from when i saw the horse stuff before for last of us part 2 i'm like okay this is clearly like a a kind of a corridor scripted sequence or at least that's the way it looks but i think actually mm. it looks like you're going to be able to move around quite large environments with including with a horse and stuff um Interesting. I, wonder, just, I, I don't know how yeah. I feel about that from a Nordic yeah, game. You know not, what I, mean? I know they've toyed with like open worldy stuff slightly with a hint of it in Uncharted and yeah. you know more of a hint of it in that in the, the little Uncharted 4. Was it not Uncharted 4, but the one they did afterwards? Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is similar to... Well, I don't know. They feel a bit more natural than those. Um, although, obviously, they looked really good. I, I didn't play the... Um, the uh, spin-off Uncharted with the uh, I can't yeah, remember the, the, the names the, of the characters. Is it, was it Nadia and is it Nadia? Oh, I can't even remember. Yeah, that. yeah, I think that's the name. Uh, yeah, and the dark head lady as well. Mm. Um, but Chloe, um, that's it. Chloe, that's right. Yeah, well remembered. Yeah. Um, so that I don't know. It, they don't look massive, but they look like like that. But they look kind of more natural. But I guess the whole game is more kind of naturalistic, isn't it? And, and less exotic mm. than like Uncharted. Uh, so they're really going for that look. And um, yeah, obviously, really, it's quite a it's quite a long time after, you know, the apocalypse now. So obviously, yeah. Ellie's grown up, but also like all the all the vegetation has completely gr- taken over and grown up now, um, in a way that it wasn't in like so much in the original game. Anyway, the thing everyone's talking about from this is like in the gameplay sequence, um, she like stealths up. She's like swimming around and she stealths up behind this girl. And uh, everyone's like, why Why hasn't this girl turned around? She's making tons of noise. And um, it's because she's playing a PS Vita and she's got headphones in and she like interrogates her. But you can hear that it's Hotline Miami like on the <laughs> coming through oh, the, the headphones, which is really weird. And then she like, uh, and you're like, oh, that's a weird reference. That's quite funny. And then she like brutally stabs her in the in the throat. It's, it's horrible. Oh. So yeah. Um, although arguably, like the violence in Hotline Miami is pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's of a cool all, sequence. All the things you'd find in the apocalypse, she found. She found a Vita. A Vita, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and a Vita that still had a functioning battery at this point. Yeah, <laughs> <and it's laughs> yeah. That had exploded. Yeah. No, well, yeah, it would have been like. Well, how long are we talking? Like a good twenty, thirty years, probably at this point. After 
things. Well, like Ellie is not Ellie is nineteen, right? In this game, I think. Yeah. But it'd but been yeah. a long time in the first game, hadn't it? It'd been a reasonable amount. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um so yeah. And like it looks really it does look really good, but it, it just looks brutal. <laughs> the animations are just crazy. And I I've still got the same concern about you know, they keep showing the dogs and that that makes the stealth complicated because they can smell you around corners and stuff. And it's like, how is that not just going to be really frustrating? That's I don't know. really annoying. Um, it's like the dog's going to come around the corner and you're going to look to look to the other side and you'll be like, oh, there's a dude there. Well, this is going to go bad. Well, yep, I'm screwed here. There's going to be quite a few of those situations, unless they figure out a way out of it. But that kind of thing happened in the original game, didn't it? Not quite, you know. Where, I mean, where yeah, it happened a fair amount with like click some clicker fights and things exactly. like that. And be like, right, okay, I'm I'm boned here. I'm boned. Which here. is so, you know, the thing I hate about stealth when there isn't a solution. Well, that's it. Let's see if like gameplay wise, they've come up with more kind of solutions and more like mm. options, basically, because it looks like there's, you know, she's quite agile and she's got quite a few throw more some, options. Throw some ham past the dog. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's got to be something. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying hand bombs. I'm all right. So and yeah, and I heard that like the the story leaks haven't affected the pre-orders or anything, which is you know, and not that they would. But, Molotov yeah. cocktail. Uh, yep, there's there's Molotov cocktail in that in that demo as well. The cocktail's oh. got ham in it. With a <laughs> hocktail, ham hocktail. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the last hurrah for this generation, I guess. Well, yeah, that and Tsushima. That and Tsushima, which I was less impressed by by its like state of play. But there you go. I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I think we said that last time. But there's... I think I think now I'm less hyped for Tsushima and more hyped for Last of Us than than I was. No, oh, interesting. For this okay. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Last yep. of Us for sure is going to get like a. PS5 version, isn't it? Oh, too yeah. Close. Well, it's well, apparently there's um, there's a rule coming in that they have to work on PS5, I think. Uh, well, that makes sense, like that. the back compat yeah. rule, but like whether they'll mm. do like a, um, a full-on PS5 version of it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be shitty of them to do like a HD version or whatever. <laughs> Not that it's, you know what I mean, like too soon. Well, they sort of but... did that with, because 3 was, you know, sorry, Last of Us was quite a long, was pretty close to the end of the ps3 life cycle yeah and then they did not long after ps4 came out they did last of us remastered Remastered, that's true well i wouldn't know what we'll see it depends Um, what they're going for like because last of us remastered basically wasn't too much of a lift right they they they, i think it had a slight resolution bump and 60 frames per second and that was really all that was Mm. because the funny thing now is that um like Obviously, they're much more powerful than new machines. They always are, but it seems like all this memory stuff and everything that everything they're working on, the whole concept is that they allow you to make games in a different, new way, and they mm. remove those restrictions. So, if you port a game that is working within those restrictions, and you just like try and all you're going to do is like up the frame rate and grab, but you're not going to be able to, you know, take advantage of 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 that no. stuff. You know, because you'd have to start again. Might face right games on PS5 currently have the potential to actually be fundamentally different from something that couldn't. You know, 
there's the potential for games to be made on PS5 that couldn't be possible on any other platform right now. Yeah. Um, I, I whereas Xbox think isn't they... going to be in that position because they've they've embraced, hey, we're going to, at least first party, Xbox is saying like anything they make uh, is going to work on the bone for a while. Ah, okay. So then they really are restricted. Yeah. You know, Microsoft are saying, hey, back comp- we're not just being back compat, we're being forward compat for a while. Right, okay. So Halo Infinite on the Xbox, Infinite's going to come out on the bone, yeah. Oh. Hmm. I'm not sure about that. Not that the... But that means it has to run on the original Xbox One. It has right? to run on the bone, yeah. Not the Xbox One X. Not just the X, yeah. Oh dear. I'm not sure about that. Anyway. I mean, it's... You a, know, purely it's, because it's, of the it's restrictions... Yeah, it's a theoretically good decision for consumers, and it also yeah. allows them to do their fancy, like, oh, hey, if you buy this game, it's just going to work on all of the platforms. It's like, doesn't matter if you get the disc copy, doesn't matter if you get the download copy, shove your, shove your disc in, down, and you'll have to download the game anyway, um, in modern terms, but like, it, it'll, it'll, if you bought the bone version and eventually get a yeah, that's true. Series X, you'll have the game. On yeah, Series X. I mean that like, all of that is awesome, and it'll, yeah. you know, it's just, um, yeah, you won't be able to. Given that Halo Infinite, we think is like quite grand in scope. Well, at least it looks, it looks like we, it from we, seeing we the no warthog idea. move Let's along. Or whatever. We, we have yeah. absolutely no idea. Oh well, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh, what other news I got? I've got a little bit of music news, which is that the Tetris Effect OST is now on Spotify, which is pretty cool. Oh, excellent. Yeah. That is good news. It is good news, especially if you're working from home. Pop that on there. Oh, man. Yeah. So just a heads up. Totally and, and the other thing was everyone's super excited about the beer shader in Half-Life Alex. <laughs> mm, but yeah. it is pretty sweet. It does look so cool. I wish I, I mean, everything about that makes you want to try it in VR, but I would like to shake a shake a bottle of beer or a bottle of wine or mm. in, in VR and see it fizz up. That's a decent physics demo. Yeah, really cool. Sound like there was just a programmer at Valve who was bored during lockdown and just decided to write that. Which is amazing. Patch that in. In, yeah, in well, itself, really. Well, they're amazing like, yeah, people, did. aren't they? Yeah. I just did this. Enjoy. I did see after Half Life Alex, there was quite a lot of like Valve people coming out and talking in a way that they hadn't for years and years and years. Like they, I, there was like um, uh, a bunch of the Half Life Two developers and game uh, designers, I guess, um, did did a commentary on a speed run of Half Life Two, which I watched, which oh, was really right. really cool. Yeah, I recommend I, that. that. That popped up on my YouTube feed, but yeah, I didn't, yeah. didn't haven't watched it. It was really cool. It's hilarious how they talk about like how much work had got into, and they were like joking because they obviously had like internal jokes over stuff that like we'd never even thought about before, like the length of the, uh, um, the speedboat section and stuff like that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah, when you go like... through Half Life Two again, you're like, oh yeah, I remember this bit was kind of bullshit or whatever. <laughs> it was quite long. But they managed to make that helicopter one of the most vicious, like <laughs> baddies in, in mm. annoying. It somehow it had personality because it just kept following you for forever. It's like leave me alone. 
something about the way the gun wound up before it murdered you. It is nice to have a bit of warning. Thanks, helicopter. 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 And I hear they're making a sequel to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah, I was about to say, there's some vague, there's some vague other news. It's like, of course they were going to make another Sonic. They, they left the last one with some uh, sequel bait. Let's put it that way. And the first one didn't do too badly for itself at the box office somehow. I mean, it's fine. It's a fine movie. It's not a great movie, but it's fine. And it's also not Sonic enough. But maybe... It will be more Sonic this time? No, of course not. It will be another road trip across America with a cop. I think some people just have a, a lot of nostalgia for Jim Carrey playing that kind of part. <laughs> I mean, there's an element of that, sure. And he's he's doing his best. He's, he's Yeah, he's doing a bit his best with a... Uh... I, I think he's fighting the script. Yeah, <laughs> Quite of course. Of during course. that thing, it, it does. It does feel like he's not. I mean, it, uh, that's one of the core problems with the film, and completely as it's like I think the elements of it are, are kind of fight its own plot a little bit. Mm. It doesn't make a well, yeah. It doesn't make a huge amount of sense. It doesn't fit with Sonic all that well. It breaks its own rules quite a few times as well. It's like, now I can climb buildings. Now I can't. Is this a flashback? It was a flashback. Can I only climb buildings in a flashback? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, I haven't seen it, so... <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> I probably won't. There's a planet full of mushrooms. Uh, well... Spoiler alert. I mean, if you eat enough mushrooms, you might start to see Sonic. <laughs> That's probably true. No, you'd probably see Sonic. <laughs> probably. Get cursed. You'd probably see the Sonic from uh, before they fixed his teeth and his eyes and everything. Oh, man, can you imagine? It's like We've got this whole thing about release the Snyder Cut. Is that, is that yeah. actually happening? <laughs> I know. Like, can we have released the original Sonic? <laughs> like, is the uh, meow line in the movie? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that happens. It's not just great, <laughs> I love that so much. That's such a great <laughs> theme. <laughs> oh, might have to watch it just for that. Anyway. I mean, that is potentially the best bit of the whole film. <laughs> right, that's news. Oh, and BlizzCon's been cancelled. And BlizzCon's been cancelled. Just in case you didn't expect it. So they can't yeah. have a giant Hong Kong protest or whatever they're doing. Yeah, I can't have a disaster this year unless Overwatch 2 comes out and it's bad. Which would be hard because it's Overwatch 1. It, it's not going to be bad. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, cool, it is time for what have you been playing? Uh, I'm going to pick on Zach because he doesn't seem to be talking very much. Hello. <laughs> yes, well, there's not much to talk about in this section either, really. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Because we can always start with things I haven't been playing, because I kind of <laughs> referenced it earlier, but Satisfactory didn't make it out in May, which was their no. theoretical release date. But they have now at least given a date, which is actually a number now, so it's more likely to happen <laughs> for the 8th. So that's the next podcast thing, I guess. 
and then they, they, it's coming out but it's still in early access is, is yeah. that right yeah it's coming out on steam but yes. in early access if you've if you've been if you're not you don't care about epic store you could have had it for a year and then in in the middle phase of things that i haven't been playing that much terraria didn't really stick very much but between everyone and my steam list oh really they were in it a lot right at the start, but then everyone fell off quite quickly. So haven't really played that much of it. I did eventually... Did solo it some more? Or... Well, I did eventually decide to attempt to get into an expert world with someone, see how that went, which, you know... I feel like the balance of that game is, like, awkward, because like, I like the idea of the expert mode bosses being, you know... They have new attacks and shit. That's obviously good. So, but then, then the real thing that expert mode changes is just everything does tons more damage, and it's just like that's not really that fun. <laughs> but then that's kind of what Terraria is at like high levels, where it's just like you're not meant to take damage. You're meant to constantly avoid. That's why you have like all the jet boots and wings and all those other, and like grappling hooks and all the maneuverability stuff. It's like Mm. the real game of it is like, you're meant to be dodging all the attacks, but it's just like, it's a very technical thing to pull, pull it off well enough to manage that, those like super high levels of damage and the higher, harder difficulties. Cause even like, the, when they made it so that the healing potions are on like a minute cooldown, because it's they originally the healing potions were just on like a normal kind of cooldown, but then they were like, oh, we don't want it to be like Diablo or whatever, where you're just constantly mashing health potions. <laughs> so they put put them on like a whole minute cooldown, which basically means you get like one health potion a fight <laughs> in in for bosses. So it's just like it's really harsh in that way. You, it really is about like you have to avoid taking damage as much as possible. And also, I guess the sort of you could argue it's sort of a clever way of integrating the like Minecrafty building the world part. That like you kind of want to build boss arenas with like health stations and like little statues and things that buff you spread around the arena, so that oh, while you're fighting, you just get passive buffs. Well, so you can goad the boss to you. Well, a lot of the bosses when you you a lot of the bosses when you first fight them, you have to fight them like where you where you spawn them from. Mm. But even then, you know, you can just dig a big hole if you're underground and just put some platforms in it and make a fight room. See, okay, I didn't realize you spawned them in. I thought you sort of a lot of the bosses, you all the bigger things, you kind of stumbled upon them. No, they're mostly like triggered in some way. They're not really. There's not really any like that. You just walk to a place and it just happens to you. I mean, there are a couple that are like. There's like the, um, well, I guess the giant eyeball thing. The first boss that technically is just comes to you after a certain, after you've done a certain amount of things. It's like if you've got your health up to like 200 health points, then it has a chance to spawn during the night, and you get like a small amount of warning because it says a little message about it coming. And then there's a few other ones like that. Like when, when it's raining slime, you, if you kill enough of the slimes, then the slime king spawns. And then like the the sort of invasion type invent, events, like the goblin invasion and the pirate invasion, 
they tend to just give you a warning where it's like an invasion is coming <laughs> get ready but then of course that's when you have your like home base fight arena <laughs> sure yeah it's like well let's make sure we fight everything here where we've got everything all kitted out and sorted but my, of course my trouble again it's a it's a classic problem i have with playing these kind of games in multiplayer just like with factor or whatever it's just like i want a nice neat fight arena but it's just like now we'll just chuck a bunch of platforms all over the place just make a big wheely line of platforms through midair that aren't really attached to anything or because it doesn't matter but i like my fight arenas nicely designed but that's too much effort <laughs> some predictable platform placement well i mean that can help in some cases like in the early game it's like if you build the platforms the right number of blocks apart so you can like jump and not have to use your jump, double jump to move between two platforms that helps mm. especially well you might not even have a double jump in theory but probably you do because <laughs> double jumps are super common now how big do these things have to be like these, these arenas are like Depends what sort does, of. Does the boss tend to keep its distance from you, or do you need to be like being able to dance around with it? Well, a lot of them is 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 about dodging, but it kind of depends on what boss it is. Like some some of the bosses, like there's the giant queen bee that has really two types of attack: one where it just sort of hovers above you and shoots downwards, and one where it charges left to right. So you can sort of get away with that one being a, like a more compact arena and like not as many vertical platforms. Mm. You don't need to move up and down nearly as much. So it kind of depends on what boss you're doing. That depends on the design of the arena you want to put it in. But generally speaking, just like a lot of parallel platforms that you can just hop up and down between easily is what you want. Mm. Yeah, but before you'd want you. Well, I suppose maybe you could. You'd want like a staggered, like almost Smash Brothers battlefield arrangement. But then I suppose you do want a little bit of space so you can fall all the way down when you need to. Well, and you also want like a flat plane to run along with some of the bosses. Like when they're trailing behind you, you want to just be able to run straight for a while and shoot them. And then jump over them, wait for them to turn around, and then do it again in the other direction. Yeah, pretty much. So it could be quite big then. Yeah, they can be. And I mean, there's literally one of the bosses is literally you have to do that because the boss is just like a giant death wall and it just keeps coming at you. <laughs> you just have to build a huge long platform way across the span of the map, which fortunately there's like, well, this is the hell boss. So when you go down into hell, you basically, there is just, it's sort of like a long, wide, flat cave. So you, it's kind of pre made to fight this boss in. So you just stick a platform across the center of it so you have something to run on all the way across the map as the giant wall chases you and gets gradually faster. <laughs> so yeah, we did, we've made it up to that point in Expert, which is like the fourth boss, I guess. And, you know, they haven't been that different in Expert. They, they've all had like one new attack. And then, like, oh. obviously, the, the large amount of more damage that they just do in general. Well, at least they have something new. Yeah. And new loot, because there's expert only loot. And I guess theoretically <laughs> now there's master only loot, but <laughs> not going to get to that. 
Well, that's kind of cool. Does that mean can like loot from these games can be carried over into other games if you've got expert only stuff? Yeah, because you you just, it's just character. the, the characters are locked. The loot, the inventory because your characters have like a personal inventory that is just like you can access it in any world, hmm. which is attached to like the piggy bank and the safe rather than just like regular chests. So the regular chest just stay in the world, but anything you put in the piggy bank, you, it's attached to the actual character. So if you take that to a different world, you still have access to that stuff. Well, I think because I think I didn't actually read the exact patch notes, but there's now there's items in expert and master that give you like extra accessory slots. So when we defeated the giant death ward, it drops a thing that gives you an extra accessory slot. And I think that's the only thing that doesn't stick if you go to a different grade of world. Like if you go from an expert world down to a normal world, you don't get to keep that extra inventory slot while you're there. Um, accessory slot, okay. rather. Mm. Maybe. I think that's what the patch note said anyway. <laughs> so yeah, we don't really play all that much of that. Just some. Um, I guess I played some more Enter the Gungeon. Did a... Well, I'm, I mainly did that because I finally got my Twitch stream working again. Ah. I mean, I say I finally got it working again. It, the problem I had previously was last time I tried to stream something, Twitch was all like, we need two-factor authentication to show you your stream key, which, are, you know, that makes sense. Because <laughs> that's kind of the important thing to stream to your channel. You need the stream key. And you wouldn't want anyone else having that. Hmm. So, And I was like, well, they hadn't asked for that before because, of, you know, probably this didn't exist before, I guess, last time I streamed. But I was like, oh, well, okay, I'll, you know, enter a mobile phone number and get a two-factor thing, get a text message. But, like, I put my number in, and it seemed to accept it, but it never actually sent a message. <laughs> hmm. So I was like, well, fuck, I guess I just can't use this any longer. But now, last, this last time, when I was like, well, let's see if I can get this working again, because I know the thought came to me to try and stream, mainly because I'd been playing Gungeon anyway. And I was like, this is a streamable, streamable game. Maybe I'll try and get Twitch working again. So I started it up, and it didn't too fat to me this time. It was just like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> Oh, weird. So I don't know what that was about. <laughs> that is HSZeg on Twitch. Yep, it sure is. So I ran through Gundam a few more times. Still haven't managed to beat the paradox or anything. It's just... It was weird. The, the runs that I streamed, I played like two paradox runs where I didn't make it through the first loop, like the first of the two loops. And then I was like, well, I don't think I've got enough time to do a whole other Paradox run. I'll just do a regular run. And that run, I did make it through to the last boss. And I was mm. like, well, this was a great run. And the last, I made the last boss well easy. But it doesn't fucking matter because this wasn't a Paradox run. <laughs> no progress was made. Give me those guns on those, one of those two other runs where I was when you played the Paradox. Mm. So yeah, oh dear. There's that. Still, you know, one day maybe I'll finish that more than I have. I got like one more achievement. <laughs> no. <sighs> and then I guess I recently played a little bit more. Oxen not included because someone else was playing it, and that's you know 
That's what I need. I need someone else to be playing it to discuss designs and shit. I see. Even if some of the bounce ideas off, it's the classic co-worker thing. Yeah. Even if like I've played it for way longer than them, so my stuff is way more complicated in general. It's still just like I can help them with their problems and that will help me figure out my problems. (laughs) So yeah, I played a bit of that. I I I continued the save that I'd been working on for a long time before where I'm getting where basically it's a, a save where I'm quite close to the end. Well, it's like I've got to the point in that save where I could end it at any time, essentially. Like all I'd have to do is build the larger rocket that I'd need and then just launch it and then I'd win. It's like I already have all the infrastructure to like make to fuel the rocket and all and I have the materials to build the rocket, I could just do it and end it. But like that's there's no real end to that game anyway, so it's like there's not really much point in <laughs> in doing that one thing that triggers the achievement for ending the game. Especially because I've already got that achievement from that other time I did it. So I started a new map again. Well, mainly because I was talking the person I was talking to was playing on the ice map. And I I had played on the ice map before, but it, I think I like decided that that map was too easy because obviously, you know. It's a game about heat management, and on a really cold map, that kind of makes it well easy. <laughs> you just have all this coldness to dump heat into. Mm. But so then I thought, well, how can I make this more? How can I make this cold map more interesting? So I basically made the coldest map, where it's like you have the ice planet, you have frozen core, so you have ice in the core instead of magma. <laughs> And also large glaciers where you just get even more huge chunks of ice chucked randomly around the map. (laughs) So it's like, this is the coldest map you can possibly have. Just ice and more ice. Which does make it, you know, slightly more difficult. Where you're just like, how can I make any heat at all? Yeah, got the opposite problem finally. Yeah. Because even... you know, initially you you need you. It's like you need a little. You need to insulate your base and then conserve a little bit of heat just to be able to grow plants. Which is like that's not too difficult because you can just build like if you build a bunch of batteries because the batteries like leak energy over time. They just make heat, so you can just have like batteries as kind of mini radiators in the early game, which is kind of nice. So that will keep your plants alive. But then it's like, then once you start using up your initial supply of unfrozen water and you're like everywhere else on the, on the map is just ice, now you're like, I need quite a lot of heat to melt all this water that I'm going to need. <laughs> so then you actually start having problems. My current solution is that I happen to find a gold volcano quite near my starting area. So I'm like, oh, sweet, sweet. That's quite a lot of heat because it erupts it's molten the, uh... gold. Multi- okay, I was about to say, is the, is the volcano just golden <laughs> with magma, or is it, yeah, or is it actually yeah. a gold volcano? Gold volcano it doesn't doesn't put out that much heat in terms of volcanoes because gold has quite a low heat capacity. So even though it is technically molten gold, it cools down real fast. So I've just basically put a pool of water on the gold volcano, so the molten gold falls into the water and instantly turns back into solid gold, basically and heats the water up gradually. But it's not that hot. It's already erupted a few times and the water only got to like 40 degrees. So I was like, I could use that to keep my base warm, I guess, but that's not going to be a long-term solution to melting ice. 
but I did specifically choose this map. So theoretically, somewhere there is an actual volcano, if I can find it. And that's significantly more heat than a gold volcano. Right. Proper magma. Yeah. But even then, I'm not sure. My problem that I've been having with it, with this the concept of like that I need to melt ice is like I'm not really sure what the most efficient way to melt ice actually is because if you just take like a big hunk of ice like a thousand kilograms of ice and chuck it in a pool of water the actual like rate of heat transfer between a chunk of ice and the water is actually not very fast so it takes quite a long time for it to actually melt so I'm, I'm not sure what how I could do it better like I was thinking maybe I could use the you can have the conveyor rails that transport solid materials and when the materials travel on the rails they get, get broken down into like 20 kilogram chunks so i'm like maybe i can just like basically have a have a rail that just showers tons of little 20 kilogram chunk, chunks of ice onto like a hot bit of metal or something hmm. <laughs> so they might melt faster sprinkler yeah maybe that might work but then again it's still a matter of getting a lot of heat into those bits of metal. You've got to work out where that heat's going to come from. You might, you might the... find they're at home on the rails, though. Yeah. Fairly at home. <laughs> Fairly at home. Apart from when they oh. melt on the rails, and then you're going to have problems. <laughs> what happens then? Well, the water falls off the rail, obviously, because oh, it's, it's not solid any longer. Right. And then you've got water all over your damn place. <laughs> And then everyone gets hypothermia from standing in this cold ass water. You just have rail pipes. Can you make a pipe for your rail? Well, you could, the thing is, you could like build the rail behind like walls because it's it effectively is like a pipe essentially. It builds in the background. But then, if you even if it's got even if you build it inside a wall, if something like melts on it, it like will teleport sideways out of the wall essentially. Mm, leaks through the wall. Yeah. A badly fitting shower, which you know, then you can actually kind of exploit that. Like, if you instead of having having the bits of ice drop onto a hot chunk of metal, you could instead have the rail with the ice on it run behind the hot chunk of metal and just have the ice melt while it's behind the, that, which might increase the heat transfer quite a lot, but is probably a lot more messy to deal with and less sort of controllable rather than turning on and off the rain of small chunks of ice, I suspect. Mm. So yeah, we'll see Just about make that. make sure you don't have anyone underneath them. <laughs> Man, that would be really... That's, that's like the Dwarf Fortress problem of like, thank God you can't be killed by collision damage. Because <laughs> really... shit drops... Well, because in most of the bases in Oxford Not Included, you're very likely to have like a very long ladder going up the middle of your base. <laughs> where people carrying stuff will occasionally drop stuff down the ladder shaft, which would be <laughs> real bad if you could get hit by them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like the Dwarf Fortress problem of if you build vertical staircases. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of those things where it's like Dwarf Fortress logic, where if you build a really long vertical staircase, it's perfectly fine, and you can even like drop items and they, and they stay on whatever floor you're on. But for some reason, if... A, a dwarf or a creature becomes unconscious on a staircase, they just fall straight to the bottom. <laughs> uh -huh. And inevitably die from impact damage. 
<laughs> so building long vertical staircases in Dwarf Fortress is kind of dangerous. But, Wait, you know, just, just don't let people go unconscious. Whilst, whilst climbing stairs? Well, you know, you can get unconscious in Dwarf Fortress for various reasons. Okay. <laughs> Not just sleepiness. <laughs> I mean, what, but, yeah, that's just how this works. The dwarves just fall asleep where they stand. <laughs> I mean, that's something that can happen in Oxygen Not Included is one of the bad traits that they can have is narcoleptic, where they'll just fall asleep randomly. But they can to- they can totally fall asleep like on a ladder. They'll just like hang off the ladder and be asleep. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> <Nice>. fine. <laughs> like a sloth. Yeah. <laughs> sloth. 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 You only have to worry about them falling asleep in like a pit of lava or whatever. <laughs> if they're wearing a exosuit and they decide that now is the time to fall asleep and then the oxygen runs out. <laughs> sloth or dwarf? <laughs> a dwarf? A dwarf and sloth. And I think that's more or less it. That didn't really... We didn't get back to scrap mechanic and... There's also another, there's a beta of a game that I've only just installed and haven't got to play yet. So that will be possibly for next podcast if I get around to playing that small. Not revealing its nature. Well, <laughs> I can reveal, reveal its nature. It's another block building vehicle making kind of game. Of course it is. Yep. Actually, there's a lot of them at the moment. But yeah, I, hopefully on the 8th, Satisfactory, and then that will be what we'll be the next podcast about. Woo. And we can be satisfied with more factory content. Yep, definitely. Satisfactorized. Factoring? Hmm. Let's get out of that factory. And on to Rob, what you've been playing. I'm well satsed well with it. Um, uh, yeah, not, nothing really new from me this week. Just a continuation of what I was doing last time. Um, I got, I think I've got into Valorant like quite a bit. I, I really, I quite enjoy it. I've been playing it on. I played it a bit on my own, um, like you know, without Kips in in the group and stuff. Like it that, seemed to come was, out of nowhere. This thing, did it? Well, it hasn't. It hasn't. I mean, like it's. It's you know it's, it's riot games and so it was it was always going to have a little bit of sure uh, well, it was you know, it a was... little bit of impact because you know what else did yeah. have riot really put out yet other than uh, League of Legends and League of Legends related stuff? Well, that was and... the point, wasn't it? Because it was one of their one of their like we're going to make a whole bunch of games that are that are like in the League universe but just are different. <laughs> Except this one isn't. This one isn't Rune Terror. This one isn't well, league related. It's league adjacent, at least. I mean, like, it, you can the style is, I suppose, some of the visual yeah. style you might say is similar to league, but it's none of the characters, you know. And you know, there are guns, which isn't really a very leaguey thing. It's future league, future league. Maybe, they invent yeah. guns. But I, yeah, I really quite enjoy how that plays. I, uh, it's hard to describe. As I, said, I sort of tried to explain it last time, and that it's like it's it, it's you know it's super cribbing from Counter Strike, but mm. 
there is there is definitely something to it. I think they've managed to get it right, um, but not overly stepping onto Counter Strike's ground. Um, just because the way the guns feel is different, um, the flow of the rounds f- does somehow feel different from Counter Strike. Like the way you move about and the way you, um, uh, the team more the the way you strategize or don't as is more likely. To be honest, with Valorant at the moment, um, but it's—I uh, think it's a good time. I, I, I quite, quite enjoyed myself with it. Uh, it helps that I think I'm getting better at just how the gunplay works in both that and Counter Strike at the moment. I'm having, oh really, a higher percentage of good rounds now. Um, I'm still terrible in the grand scheme of things, but I'm I'm slowly improving, uh, and it's. Uh, it's a nice feeling when you're suddenly having better rounds and you're like, ah, oh, I'm actually top of the team on the CS game. It's like, how did that happen? It shouldn't happen, is, is how that happens. It shouldn't happen. And yet, you are now, murdering fools. Now, super rarely, it does. I can still have an like, utter shocker, though. Like That still happens as well. Like It's, like, it's, it's peaks and troughs. I'm not like great all the time, but you get that odd one round where I think everything mm. comes together. Um, and then you'll have that one game where absolutely nothing comes together. But I think, again, as I said last time, I think there's there's something about how Valorant plays where I question it less than I question Counter-Strike. Yeah. Like when I've, when I've, when it feels like I should have won a fight in Counter-Strike, it's it's kind of horrid, but I don't get that so much from Valorant. I get yeah, maybe, but maybe it's little things like like at the end of a round, you get uh, Counter Strike uh, when you get killed, you get a little breakdown between you and that guy that killed you. In that it's like, oh, he hit you twice and it did 112 damage because he hit he hit you in the head, and oh, and you and you only did did. 12 damage to him because you hit him in the foot once. Something like that. But you don't get that detail. You get two hits, 12 damage or something like that versus two hits and 114 damage. And that on its own can sometimes feel bad because you're looking at that going, okay, well, how on earth did I do so little damage? It's like, like I know he probably landed two body shots on me and I must have landed a leg shot or something like that, but it's a little unclear and sometimes that feels bad. And, and it only talks about, tells you between you and your attacker. Or you and the person that killed you. You only get that information for. I so see. you might have been okay. fighting some other guy and been shot by someone else and you won't get that breakdown and it's like, ah, it's been like, you can go into the console and see a little more information if you want to pull up the text log, but it's uh, not super well done and it's, um, you know, frustrating. Whereas just that little bit of extra clarity from Valorant where it gives you a full combat report as in, oh, you hit this guy for this much damage, and you did three body shots and three leg shots, uh, and it happened at this time frame. Oh, and by the way, that grenade you threw, yeah, you totally hit someone with that. And it's like, like poor it's, fortress like, or something. Uh, yeah, it really, it really <laughs> does give you a really decent breakdown of everything that happened. After the game, you can even go back and view like a map of where the kills happened. <laughs> and stuff well, that's like that cool. And be like, and be like, oh right, yeah. So clearly, I'm better in this position than I am over here. Maybe I should not. Go That's that really way. cool, isn't it? And like it's that. like, yeah, it, it's it's decent, but they're they're not complex additions. They're just these little things here and there that 
really add to it. Um, I mean, I think it needs like a production pass. Like, um, I, I, there are definitely elements to the game uh, that don't feel, I don't know, Overwatch level of polish. Let's let's go that way. They're like, there's a certain, it's you know, it's a little lacking in the sort of content you might expect from a game like this. It's going, it's going free to play, so you'd you'd think they would be flooding the store with like a whole load of skins and a whole load of things you can potentially buy. But the beta didn't really have much of that. So there's not that to go around. Um, and it's also hard to, to tell if there will be any kind of like drop system for free players. Like, or if there's any like perks to being a free, you know, if free players really get anything versus, mm. or do you just buy everything? It's like sometimes that's, that's a little unclear um, at this point. And is there going to be enough of a draw to really, you know, have stuff you want to grind to get? Like that's the, you know, as a, as a player that's probably not going to spend a huge amount of money on a free play game, because um, no. I haven't spent a dime on Counter Strike, um, but Rocket Parts still works for me somehow. Yeah, Rocket Parts is a good deal <laughs> compared to most things. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see how how that maybe works. Because um, uh, I imagine there's an awful lot of Fortnite players that have never spent any money on it at all, and they're just happy. They're just content. Oh to yeah. Play it. But, Definitely, there must be loads. Yeah, uh, and I'd like there to be some sort of draw. Um, it's hard to know exactly how they what they're going to do with their because they've got because it's unlike Counter Strike, Valorant is a bit more hero shootery in that your character has abilities and stuff. And I talked about that last time as well. Um, but you don't, I don't have every one of those characters unlocked, and mm. I'm, I'm I'm not sure it's hugely clear to me, or I haven't really paid attention if there's a path by which I can unlock everyone for free um, or if you get like in the beta what happened is you, I got a couple of characters like pretty much mm. straight off the bat um, you get like a number of base characters I think you get five and then you can unlock another another two of your choice from the locked selection um, leaving a couple that I couldn't get um, but I don't know if I, presumably if I paid money, I could have unlocked them, but I don't know if there's any way by which I could earn those other slots eventually. Um, Apex has a similar model, but it, but you base, in Apex, you definitely have to uh, buy characters. Um, there comes a point where you can basically only unlock one, maybe two in Apex uh, after a little bit of play, and then the money dries up. You can't get the currency anymore that you would need to buy those characters, um, and it's it, yeah, it's it's not clear to me at least how that's going to work in Valorant, um, or how much those characters are or whatever. So you know that that might be the the thing that causes most people to drop some money on it, but it, it might well happen for me because I'm I'm quite enjoying it. <laughs> I think it's really good. Um, uh, and it's something that, you know, hint, hint, I would quite like Zach to join us in playing, although I've been trying to get him to play Counter-Strike with us for a while. And, and and I think it would probably run fine on your PC as well, because it's... it's Oh, probably. It's designed not to be, like, super next-gen visuals. It's designed to be, oh, this is going to run on as many platforms as possible um, in terms of its... Uh, yeah, in terms of its visuals. Um so I'm sure you'd have a decent time with it. I really like it. Uh, I'm excited for when it comes out for real in a couple of days to see what's changed. 
Um, see if there's any surprises in store. They've they've already said there's one more character coming pretty soon, um, and probably another map, which will bring the total to only four right now. So it's going to be a kind of a soft launch, I think, rather than a hard launch. But hey, this thing's popular enough already. And I like at least two of the three maps that they've had. One of them I find a bit problematic, but two of them I really like. It's Sweet. a good game. It's a good game. Valorant. Yeah, excited to play more of that. Um, uh, in a similar vein, I actually dipped back into Overwatch because it's been their anniversary event. Um, which means, you know, hey, you can get all the loot from all of the things that have happened so far. So, yeah, that drew me back. Get a few loot boxes, play a few games. Nothing really much more to say than that, other than it's mm. still Overwatch. still good fun. Um, I actually had a reasonably good time playing the... Like, I dipped into one of the modes I haven't really played very much because I they had a 3v3 elimination mode, which I didn't really like when it was 3v3. Um, and that is literally like it's it's Counter Strike style. Um, there's no real objective; you just have to eliminate the other team before you. Um, but they've made a six v six version of that um, uh, instead of just instead of three v three, and I think that works a lot better for my play because like I mean, it makes me being a support. I think, or it, I don't know, it feels like the, the roles still work. You can still support the other players. You could still be the tank and get up front and take damage and then retreat and get healed. And Whereas in 3v3, I don't think that really sat very well or as well. Right. Um, and that, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, can, it can be a complete walkover or sometimes it can be a tense push and pull. It's, uh, it, work, it works okay. But it's, uh, it's still not, you know, the main draw is obviously the, the regular game modes, which is still good. Uh, so Overwatch, yeah, been playing some of that. Um, I finished the main story of Streets of Rage Four. There you go. Okay, Streets and of Rage. I mean, and I'm still still pretty positive on that. I think I think it's a. Uh, so, it's in a what of... sense did you finish the? What does that mean to finish the main so, story? The the main story is twelve stages long, um, and so you. But you basically have to go through each stage in turn. But each stage is kind of separate from each other. So it's not like playing the originals where you had to basically do the whole game in in one run. You can you can just focus right. on doing right, I need to work out how to get through this stage. And it's like if you if you game over, no worries, I'll pick up from that stage. Okay. Um when you move on to the next stage, it's like you're given a baseline starting thing. Like you like you'll get your two lives, you'll get yeah, sorry, your three lives. Right. Um and you'll get full health and you'll get one special. And so you always start from the same place um, on every stage, except for stages which have a special start, and there's a couple of them um, where you might be in a injured state. Mm. But that fits with how that stage starts, so that's fine. Um, and it's and it's uh, I don't I don't think it necessarily like goes crazy on its mechanics as you go through. Like you know, you, your move set doesn't change because it's a beat 'em up. It's a classic beat 'em up. And there's no shops or any RPG mechanics or anything like that. Um, so you're, you're, you're stuck with what your character can do. Um, and it's just up to you to get better. Get good. And, get good. Uh, yeah, I, I really did. Feel, it, it, it felt good because it, it, in the sense that I, 
I feel like I was getting better when I played it and having finished the story and then you go back and do stage one again and it's just like oh right yeah I've come quite a long way <laughs> from when right, I first started yeah. playing this and it was um it was it's it's a nice yeah it's a it's a, it's a good feeling to know I've got better at this that wasn't to say it was a, it was a to, total breeze it's like uh, I wasn't uh, I never used any of the I never lowered the difficulty from I think I'm playing on normal mm. so I never turned it down and I never um used any of the assists because there's an assist system for story mode as well where you can turn an on assistant. certain assist, well, you can t- assist, assist system assist system yeah you can turn on like certain in um, like a Forza or something <laughs> well kind of yeah it's got like certain certain buffs like you won't take so much damage or you will do more damage or certain environmental things um uh which which is kind of neat for players that just want to get through it um, but those come with penalties. Like you're probably not going to be. You can't set a high score if you're using assists, for instance. Or yeah. Uh, so that's uh, uh, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I, you know, the story is what it it was. What it was. You know, it's super basic. But what can you do with beat them up? Really? Yeah. That's uh, fine. Like, there's bad guys. We're going to go punch those bad guys. You punch those bad guys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, if I had two gripes with the whole experience um there's a couple of spots where it feels like the game was clearly designed for you to not be playing it in solo right Uh, and that's just because there are so many dudes about uh that it's just it just becomes a little bit unmanageable on your own um and that's again that's probably me that's probably that's probably something I could improve at, how to deal with crowd control under certain circumstances. But um, it feels like it's kind of meant yeah, for... It feels like, it's like, oh, I wouldn't be getting quite so much of this aggro just on me. Um, or I might be able to see what was going on a bit better with two people splitting the group in half or something like that. Or maybe in two-player mode you get twice as many dudes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah, so there, there was that, and also I also kind of felt that there were a couple of bosses that didn't. Uh, I didn't towards the back half of the game. I think you get you get a couple of um, cheap bosses that are sort of just rehashes of older ones from earlier in the game. Um, so there's a there's a cop called Estelle that you fight, and and a, and a and a commissioner that you fight relatively early in the game, and they they are separate bosses the first time through, for instance. But then later in a later stage, you fight both of them at the same time, and they get slightly different attacks, mm. and but it's it's basically the same boss again, um, uh, or both of them at the same time. Uh, so you're not really fighting anything massively new, um, and that also happens to a lesser to again with the stage one boss you see her again but there's two of her and they have slightly different abilities and it's like uh all right not sure i'm on board with this reuse of boss thing in a game that's as short as it is it's uh yeah that that comes across as a little a little cheap a tiny Um, bit yeah uh and there were there were two unique bosses that um i have minor problems with not because they were hard or anything like that. One of them, I just thought, oh, it's a it's a level at a concert. I want some like super bat. For for as good as the music is, this was the level I wanted a real banger of a music track, and I mm. felt a little let down by that one. It's like it wasn't quite as beefy or as 
big and booming as I kind of wanted for, for the occasion. Um, and I kind of thought the last boss was a bit rubbish. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I think I cheesed it. I think I found a way to cheese it. And it's uh, it basically didn't really pose much of a threat to me. So it was kind of a walkover. And it's like, well, that's a shame. But that doesn't mean I didn't have a good time. I really did have a good time. It's a, it's a good game. So once you finish the story, it then unlocks some other stuff. Like you can do a boss rush mode. You can play each each stage individually um, by choice now. So I can go and actually you know pick what stage I want to do and try and high score it or up the difficulty level and just pick and choose what I want to do. Um, you get the arcade run, which means you can play it like the original Streets of Rage and try and do the whole thing. You can probably get through it in a couple hours, I reckon, if you uh, if you try and do it start to finish and don't screw up. But I haven't quite figured out if that means you're, if your lives carry over, then I think that's actually going to be a bit tougher. Because um, you are actually going to have to try and, you know, you can't rely on the fact that like at the end of the stage you're going to get your stock back. So that could be fun to attempt. Uh, you also get a... Uh, a one-on-one battle mode, so then like you can double dragon it if you want, <laughs> just just have it play it like a beat 'em up. Like oh, okay, just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. They put that in there as well, which is which is kind of kind of cool. That's so stupid at the end of double dragon. Um, but you could also like there's this thing that you, you that you'll notice at the end of every stage, like when you're playing it, you get this lifetime score counter start going up, and there's a couple of markers on this bar that go up, and uh, it turns out those are unlockable characters that are basically the streets of run streets of rage one versions of the characters oh okay which is in all their pixely glory (laughs) (laughs) sweet just like really big Uh, and they have their (laughs) their old move sets and the and the way they play is exactly like the original and it's like that's pretty cool so if i use the um like y is normally your kind of like special but not the specials that you have a limited pool of if you remember from streets of rage one if you Mm. used a special it would call in the car the cop car would come in and fire like a rocket barrage um but you had like a limited number of those that you could use um whereas uh in four why your why special is basically like an attack that has special properties but costs you health to use um which you then have to try and not get hit for if you want to regain that health. You have to land punches in order to regain that health back. So it's kind of a risky uh, a risky attack to use, but it has some benefits if you manage to time it right, like some invincibility frames and things like that. Um, of course, you don't get those if you're using the Streets of Rage 1 character. You just get the rocket guy coming. <laughs> so you don't, you don't have your, your Y special. You get your Dar special, let's call it. Um, but that's there. He turns up, like fires a rocket barrage. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, yeah, and I think you can get th- the original three characters in Streets of Wage One form. And so that's neat. That's a nice little thing to go for. I'm going to play some more of it. I'm gonna go try ahead and play some more. Hard, yeah, I'm going to try some harder difficulty levels. It has got online play, as we uh, theorized last time. It's right there on the character selection screen. Like you can just be like, "Oh, hey, press a press a button to launch this as an online game." 
and we'll find someone for you. Pay what? Tried yet? But I might. I'll give that a go. I really like it. I think it's. I think it's a good, good, good time. Good tunes, in general. Strong tunage. Strong tunage. Strong beating of of bad guys. Yeah. Uh, I. Had a very quick dabble in Forza Horizon 3 today. Oh, yeah. Forza Horizon 3? 3, yeah, because I fancied fin- finishing the Hot Wheels stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, which I did. I've raced every event in that now. Nice. And, uh, yeah, you know, it ends as it starts. It's, <laughs> it is what it is. Is that, um, were you playing that on your new monitor? I was playing that on my new monitor, yes. Um, <laughs> which looks nice and sharp and runs very smooth indeed. Sweet. Um, my biggest problem with Forza actually is nothing to do with the game itself, really. It's just how it like forgets what your PC settings are, like pretty much every time you launch it. <laughs> That's really annoying. It's really frustrating. Like it go, it, like you'll launch it and it'll go, "Oh yeah, I reckon your PC can handle ultra mode. Are you okay with this?" And it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm okay yeah. with that, but I'd rather you remembered the settings I specifically gave you last time. Yeah. Because like sometimes when you do that, if it comes up with that option, you say, "Yeah, just run it in ultra mode. It's it's fine." It resets it sets everything. Up, it? Well, it sets most of the time. It's fine. Every now and then, it will decide to go. Oh, I see. So you want ultra settings, but you want to cap the frame rate at thirty. That's fine. And I'm like, no, that's not fine. <laughs> I'd quite like you to cap the frame rate at 144 hertz. Yeah. Please. Why? Why would I want that? It's it's so weird. It's so bizarre. Uh. And also Windows seems to have a bit of a problem with my steering wheel now, as maybe it's aged out or something, where it, every now and then you plug it in and Windows just doesn't let the pedals work. So I have to faff around with it for a bit, and then the pedals start working, and then it's like, okay, great, now I can play the game. Um, not, not every axis now works on the things. It's got, it's How got old is that of, wheel? I mean, it's a. am using a, um, was it a Thrustmaster GT. Oh, okay. At the moment, so I'm not. I'm not using like the sidewinder. The sidewinders have aged out with Windows 10. You can't. You can't run the sidewinder anymore. I mean, you can, but I have. I've had problems. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the age old. The, the age old problem I had with it was that when you could still use it to play Dirt Rally, but I noticed a significant frame rate drop. Ah, oh, that's not good. When using the wheel, and the moment you unplug it, Dirt Rally sorted itself out, and it's uh-huh. like maybe that's a problem with Dirt Rally, but I think I'd seen it in a couple of other places, and I just right. sort of gave up with <laughs> it, and then the opportunity to thieve this Thrustmaster came up, so I did. Um, or it could just all be Rob's messed up USB. <laughs> I mean, I've Rob's changed computer. PCs since then. <laughs> <laughs> this this machine's had no problem with USB. I don't know if that's entirely true. <laughs> ICE, yeah, ICE had, had some issues with USB for some reason, but Fire's been fine. Right. Yeah, so I did that. Uh, of course, well, the one new game I suppose I played this time was Hyperdot, which was a game with gold, I think, or Game Pass game on Xbox because it's okay. Super simple. You are a dot. You're in a circle. You move around and complete some objectives. Like there isn't anything really more to that. Like dodge some stuff for twenty seconds. Or stay in this area whilst dodging stuff for until you fill up a time bar, and uh, it's super minimalist. It's uh, that's kind of it, really. It's it's fine. 
if you if you've got a like if, if you need to kill like two minutes, it's kind of perfect. <laughs> you can fire it up, just do a couple of couple of levels, you're done. There's a lot of levels. Uh, hype it up. Uh, and of course, I've been still working my way through Yakuza Kiwami 2. Of course. Because this game never ends. <laughs> I, I mean, really it's not meant to. It to it's, but... it's life, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. I don't, I don't really want it to, but it is, but it is huge. Uh, I, I've been focusing my time on the uh, Majima construction minigame quite a bit. So, so pretty... you managing a construction business inside a gangster simulator. Which is basically just a gangster simulator in and of itself. It's tower defense. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I've pretty much finished that now. I've, uh, I've still got uh, like a side mission that's unlocked to do, but it's hard. Um, I've done all the main story stuff in there. And yeah, it, it can take you quite a while, to be honest. I like, and it was a good. I think it was a relatively good idea to try and tackle it late on in my playthrough because, as you do side quests and things in that game, you meet people, and uh, mm. they, and if you, you know, do their side quests, and you and those guys will eventually will sort of be hanging out in the city later on. And if you find them hanging out, not a lot of the time they'll be like, "Oh, hey, I heard you're um, working with that construction company. Can I have a job?" And then they'll come be a, an extra pair of hands to fight for you in the construction minigame so they kind of you know doing the side quests feeds into the construction game which is kind of cool but it encourages you basically to not do the minigame until later on when you've got a load of dudes that you might want to actually use mm, okay and and going through the minigame itself actually unlocks more high level dudes so get enough dudes so you can get started and then just use the high level dudes you get from the construction game and you'll be fine there are some uh, random high level people you can find by doing the random recruiting thing which <laughs> as in fairness might be one of the, the best stupid moments of the game uh, like the, the game is full of stupid stuff but there's just something something great about the recruitment poster which is just Majimo and a whole load of construction guys going yay but then it just says at the bottom we build shit <laughs> Like, we build shit. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the tone of the game. I mean, that's I a slogan. Yep. I mean, if I was looking for some builders <laughs> to build me some shit, I'd go with Magic Construction. And you can you can get a couple of random. Um, uh, I guess they're called. I don't, I don't know how how to really describe these. They're kind of like the dating thing, but they're not really. They're kind of like it's just a conversation that's playing out but you can vaguely influence it by making dialogue choices at a couple of points. Uh, and I think how well you do can give you a reward at the end of it of some kind. But the rewards are always like super tiny and not really worth it. But the, 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 the comedy is in, in the, just watching the scene play out. Like having a load of aging, probably marginally drunken guys talking about what food they want to eat, followed by tongue twisters in Japanese. It's just a bizarre thing to behold. <laughs> I mean, that's what these games are all about, right? Uh, yeah, just, just, just surrealism, I suppose. It's. I think I'm, in fairness to it, I think I'm right near the end of the actual story now. 
Okay. 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 <laughs> Things are gaining gaining traction. <laughs> yeah, we left Majima to diffuse a bomb. Comedy ensues. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Um, I I still love it. I think, uh, but it, but it's coming to an end soon, and I'll have to think about what I'm going to do next. Which, after so much Yakuza, is a uh, <laughs> is a dark time. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, no. Go back to Shenmue. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that'd be nearly as surreal enough for me. I'd like it'll be too. Play too Sleeping strange, Dogs though. or something. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I haven't really played the last two weeks. I should have started with this in Zach fashion. <laughs> Gears Tactics. Hmm. I, like, I have played it, but just not that much, and there's nothing really to say about it. So let's not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just doing what it was doing. It's a shame. I expected more. Can't win them all. Yeah, which then makes the like the the Steam advert panel all the more confusing. Where it's like it's one of those like, uh, like graphics where it's like uh, it's got like IGN excellent nine out of ten. Fantastic! Nine out of ten. Four stars. Five stars. And I'm like, I mean, it's good, but it's not that good. It's no XCOM. Well, exactly. I might might do some more of it. Maybe we'll see. We'll see how I feel. Right. Is that you then, Rob? It is. Cool. Um, speaking of nostalgia, I've been playing Halo 2. Oh, reason. cool. Yeah. If, which version? Have you been playing that PC Master Chief version that came out? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, back in the day, I never... I mean, Halo 2 had the awesome multiplayer, obviously, along with Xbox mm. Live and really kick-started all that stuff. But I was actually kind of disappointed in Halo 2 back when it, back when it came out as a big fan of the original game. Right, um, the, the campaign's not the same, is it? It's... No, but that, although, like, it did have, like... So I think, you know, famously, they had that epic E3 demo or whatever, mm. where it was like, you know, which showed the, like, a... Uh, the city and the mounting of the, you know, the what's it called where you steal the vehicle off someone and what's Hijack, that called? Or Hijacking or whatever, yeah. And I feel, like yeah, that, I feel like it's got a more explicit, a more specific name in Halo. But that that sequence was so awesome, and with the Gauss cannon and everything and stuff, and it was mm. like, oh, Halo Two is going to be amazing, and it's the graphics look really them. good. Yeah. But then, like, they kind of. I mean, they must have been under so much pressure, um, Bungie, after that original game or whatever and stuff and trying to put it together. And they'd done this demo, which kind of over-egged it a bit. But they, I, I was looking into it, and apparently, like, um, you know, like they had this, um, you know, Shadows, real-time Shadows engine, just like Doom 3. It was around the yeah, same time. Yeah, the stencil thing. Yeah, and they had to cut it out. And so they, they wanted a combination of real-time Shadows and... Um, uh, normal maps, right? Bump maps everywhere. Mm. So their plan was, ah, oh, now we can do bump maps. Well, we can lower the number of polys on every single model and uh, just put a load of bump maps all over them. And then we can have way more 
stuff going on. Mm. But like the end, and then the end result when you took out the shadows is, uh, I don't know, <laughs> it's kind of grimy. There are there are parts of it that definitely don't look great. And yeah, it's like if if you, um, I would recommend the Digital Foundry. Yeah, there's a good break as as always, but they do a really good job this time of. Well, actually, I say they do a really good. There were a couple of elements of the Halo Two original presentation that they don't touch on at all. Yeah. Um. In in which I'm surprised about, like the texture streaming issues, for instance. Yeah. In the original version were things popping in like crazy. Yeah. It were unbelievable, and they don't. They, and Foundry no. don't mention that, but they were um, which is a crazy. Shame. So. Yeah, and there's a whole load of aspects to it, and and it ended up a bit sort of next gen brownie in a way that the original game wasn't, and like weirdly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like I don't know. Anyway, it's not just the graphics, like the, also the game itself, like like um, like Halo One had like it, it had nothing really like the silent cartographer or something. It was a bit more, even though it had some big environments, it kind of felt more linear. Like when you got to Delta Halo, it didn't really feel like being on a Halo anymore because it was. It just felt it was a bit more constrained. More yeah, it was more tunneled. But I mean, like, was, it, was it the that first Halo level and Silent Cartographer? They're kind of unique, to be honest, in yeah. the Halo series in general. Like, That's and, true. and they're, they're only really in that first game. Well, you've got Assault on the Control Room and and Two Betrayals. Like, I mean, that's quite it's kind of tunnely, but it had, does have some massive areas, right? I guess. Um, yeah. The, in the, between the, the kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, sequences of rooms, you know, and bridges. Yeah, yeah, and that, you're right. Those are very, those are very linear level, but it's still, it has the feeling of as the like least a canyon, areas isn't it? Of, areas are bigger, perhaps, yeah. than pretty much anything two through you. Yeah, I just it sort of lost a kind of sense of scale there, even while it was trying to be kind of more epic in in many ways. Um, Halo Two, but and also like they were trying to do. Like, not not that awkwardly, but it's one of those um, cases where you the sequel expands has to expand the universe, and in some ways they uh, they're kind of retconning, right? Because they're, they're, they're it's like okay, now you know the scope of the Halo universe fitted that story, but now we have to like massively expand the universe. So we have to be like okay, you've Here got the, the whole yeah the brutes and like the, the whole buggers. story, but not just like there are more enemies. I just mean like in terms of the story, like the way that it, it that it starts with the Arbiter and everything, and has the kind of parallel mm. stories. I actually think that stuff was really good. And um, the opening is, in particular, is is yeah is pretty great. Actually, I think it's it's a little jarring from the Master Chief side if you weren't familiar with the first game. Exactly. Yeah, which, that's true. You know, which as a standalone product, Halo 2's opening isn't necessarily so good. Yeah, but but as if a direct with... follow-on, it's it's decent. And yeah, you know, they, they I I think at the time it was probably a smart idea to. Like okay, now we need to actually probably talk about the covenant, right? They can't yeah, just exactly. be a mysterious foe anymore. They so have what? To have that's what they did, them. and I thought it was a bit weird how they, you know, they're all speaking English and stuff. But they had to, sure. and it made and it and it actually was quite interesting and cool. And you know, it's quite a good. It ended up with quite a good universe, and they didn't screw it up basically that part anyway. Um, <laughs> and um, so I was always kind of down on Halo Two in, in many ways because of those issues, but but this has this has the anniversary thing treatment, and like I don't know what they learned in between doing the first game, but like they've done a great job on this remaster, like on this anniversary. Like it, you can flick, flick back and forth between the graphics, and like with the original Halo, like 
you could see the change in, in you know when they remastered that combat evolved you could see the change in art style and be like oh, i'm not i'm not sure i agree with the way that they've you know interpreted this view whereas every time i switch back and forth in halo 2 i'm like Ugh, that old game looked pretty bad and <laughs> this looks great yeah um and there's, yeah there's there's we again we've talked about this ad nauseum but there's uh, <coughs> certain elements of of halo halo one strikes me as perhaps a harder remaster because there were parts of it where things were kind of intentionally flat yes right yeah. and looking at that and and i think saber and saber interactive who did both of yeah. these um yeah. ones they, they they took the first one and were like well let's embellish this yeah and sometimes changing it a little dramatically from the original feel they especially went a bit far with that stuff. one yeah but but they seem to have got it pretty right for halo 2 and one thing that's very noticeable when you switch between is they've redone all the audio like really really well including like this they completely re-recorded the score you know with the san francisco symphony orchestra and everything and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. blaring like crazy throughout the the opening sequences and it's like freaking epic <laughs> like that it's it's like they're going all out like big hollywood movie basically for for, for this and that's kind of what it is in, in in terms of games it's like the big epic hollywood movie kind of thing isn't it there are um, there are parts of the soundtrack that there are there are some shames, shall we say, in the soundtrack element because they weren't able mm. to retain the rights to all of it. Oh, okay. Because Halo Two is like is the outlier in the soundtrack department because they got help from quite a lot of bands. Oh, I see. There's a track by Breaking Benjamin in there, for instance, that right. that was written for Halo Two, but I don't think they were able to bring back for uh, this anniversary right. release. Um, Oh, who are it's really bothering me now. But there, there's um, indie rock group of some noteworthiness uh, did uh, the sequence when you're your arbiter doing the the escape basically in um, Banshees, right. yeah, um, which isn't in this version. Oh, and th those are really standout, brilliant bits of tr music that really fit with the game. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and it's a shame those haven't returned. Their, their replacements aren't bad. That is a shame, though. But, yeah, but, but I'm just very fond of those bits of music. And yeah. They're, and they're not here. Enough. Yeah, so I hadn't noticed anything too much like that, but obviously that's... This, but that's what I mean. The replacements are good. They're just It's just not those. Yeah. Exactly. Like, if you know that game back to front, then you're going to know. But uh, but me, I'm like, you know, Halo 2, you forget, like, well, I don't, I don't know. But they did move the gameplay forward. Like, they, you know, the original Halo was kind of a... It was revolutionary in its kind of, uh, you know, with the shield system and everything. Um, um, but it was had a, its foot halfway in the past by still having the health bar or whatever, and you having to have health packs and stuff. And they just completely ditched that by Halo Two, right? And and it's got the uh, dual wielding and everything, which is a bit complicated, but compared, you know, slightly complicates it compared to the original game. But uh, it's definitely a. Uh, There's a little bit of. Um... Uh, you know, finger Tetris to play. Isn't yeah. Finger, finger gymnastics to get your head around. Yeah. But it, it mostly works pretty it, well. It mostly works quite well. And it's all present in Halo 2 and carries on for, for future Halo. So the, basically the core gameplay is fully there in Halo 2 and plays really well. I think there's some, like I noticed in the options, there's like movement style, like uh, aiming style is like modern or something and you can switch it back to classic halo or something so i haven't tried that mm. but the, the the way it comes out of the box is like really good so uh maybe it play maybe it you aim like call of duty i don't know but uh yeah i think uh, that's where, where i think i changed a couple of things 
around that just because I'm used to, I guess, maybe because of Call of Duty's fault and maybe because of Halo 5's fault to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Where I've just changed how I play a little yeah, bit. modern so style. To but that's nice. To the point where Zach and I have diverged quite a bit in our control schemes, I think. Right. Like the way, the way I think when I've seen Zach set it up, <laughs> it's like he plays, I think you play quite default, quite original, don't you, Zeg? Or, yeah, and, uh, mostly. Yeah, whereas I have to set it to one of the more modern things now. Otherwise, right. I just forget where everything is. <laughs> I mean, I've always played the weird green thumb or something mode ever since the original Halo, I think. So I always have to change my controls. Hmm. Not a bumper jumper. <laughs> no, I'm not a bumper jumper. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. You can customize all that. And yeah, so I'm actually like, because I, at first, what I meant was like, at first, I was kind of disappointed that the best remaster is of the game i like the least but actually it's the one that probably needed the most help yeah yeah and uh it's actually rehabilitated to some extent and i'm quite enjoying it and in terms of the uh pc ports of master chief collection it's noteworthy because it's the good one it's the good one yeah it's the good yeah, one all around they really have, they haven't bulged this one up in some yeah, way this one seems fine um and it plays fine on my pc so are you um? Are you you said you were still controlling, were you? So yeah, you fully controlling. Tempted, yeah, you haven't been tempted to mouse and keyboard. No, I don't think I can use mouse and keyboard anymore because of my RSI. Uh, ah, yeah, I mean, I can just about do Obra Dinn with my left hand, but I don't think I'd be running around shooting anymore. Hmm. Sadly, but never mind. At, at least when Half Life Three finally came out, it didn't need a mouse and keyboard. <laughs> true. Yeah. Anyway. Um, also, and also, you know. Um, you know, if you if you got into your Call of Duty, the future is cross-platform on based on your controller usage on any platform. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you that's the one thing COD have done super well in that last iteration. So if you want to play on controller on PC, go for it. You're going to be matched with other controller users. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that's really cool. Cool. Yeah, so that's what I've been playing. I should probably play some more Halo 2. I don't know how... Actually, that's interesting. I don't know how Master Chief Collection on PC has decided to do that distinction. Well, you could buy them separately, actually, but I just bought the whole thing, so I've got... No, I mean, like, in, in terms of the multiplayer control stuff. Oh, I'm not sure. Presumably, you wouldn't want a match make with a controller on no. PC if you're going to get match made against mouse and keyboard users. Yeah, you're going to get crushed. Uh, I, I would have thought they'd have thought of that, but we'll see. I haven't I haven't looked into it yet. Yeah, But the, yeah, but the, what, the Halo 2 multiplayer in... It's not Halo 2 multiplayer, is it? In in um, you get both. So there uh, there were Halo 2 anniversary multiplayer and Halo 2 multiplayer. Um, right. And Halo you, 2 you, anniversary you, multiplayer is is based on like Halo 4 or something, isn't it? No, it's it's based on Halo 2 still, but there right. are balance tweaks and oh, slight okay. map changes, oh, okay, and right. it's a subset of the maps as well. They didn't do all of them. Hmm. Um. So it's yeah, it's it's a it's a slightly different experience. Halo Two Anniversary multiplayer, Fair but you can play the original exactly as it was if you like. Mm, that's a good option. Good to have it mm. for nostalgia, <laughs> basically. Yeah, for nostalgia. Cool, and that's what I've been playing, and that's a podcast nearly. What have we got oh, cool. in terms of lockdown content? Uh, we've got more Oberdin on the way. Yeah, so Oberdin Part Four will release next week. Yeah, so enjoy the the din that we make over the top of playing that game. Yeah, well, we get horrendously confused. We'll figure it out one day.
That's, I, yeah, I mean, I think you said that exact sentence in the video. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out one day. That's the thing is like every supposedly like everyone loves that game after they finished it. Obviously, when they figured it out because they think they're so clever for figuring everything out. I think I I, I really think the um yeah the hammocks thing is going to help us. So we'll see. Yeah, my worries will reach a point where it's just like there's in terms of video content where it's just like it's just us standing like, around, yeah, <laughs> like not saying anything because we're thinking or something. Yeah, or we'll like, see. We'll see. We might have to have a. A thinkathon, and then come <laughs> and not touch anything, and then come back and say, "Well, we thought about this." Or you know, I might actually have to do some work and edit a video properly. Oh no, <laughs> can't have that. Anything but that. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, that's a podcast. We shall catch you in a couple of weeks for another Salacast. Bye. Bye. Bye.